welcome to the Four Narcotics Anonymous podcast. Here we share audio recordings of NA members sharing their experience, strength and hope. If you are a drug addict or think you have a drug problem, you are welcome to attend an NA meeting. Go to www.nahelp.org meetings to find a meeting near you. On this website, you will also find more information about the Narcotics Anonymous program. Thanks for listening to this recording. Okay, guys, now that question's out of the road, what group you're with, right? Everybody wants to know what group you're with. Well, now it's out the road. I'm, in, I'm with all groups, okay? Okay, now, folks, like what we're going to do tonight, we're going to do the first step. All right? Let's, let's be quiet. This is being recorded, folks, okay? There's two things going to be recorded, okay? I'm going re- to be recorded, and when your group comes back, each group leader will come up and talk into the mic and say what your group did, what they accomplished, what questions they may have that we may have to answer yet, okay? But if you have questions and you need me, I'll be floating around. Let me know what, what questions you may have that need answers for, okay? All right? It's all a learning experience, folks. We're all learning how to apply the principles in our lives. That's our purpose of being here. Uh, Hey, in the back there, can we have quiet? Eric, handle your group. (laughs) Quiet. Yeah. Okay, folks. Uh, This is spiritual in nature. Don't you understand it? Who's all ever been on the step week on uh, the step day with us on on through Zoom? Everyone knows how I speak, how I talk on the step. I'm going to go through all 12 steps this weekend from this from the front. All right, and that's how we usually do it uh, when I've been at these step <coughs> retreats like this, the way this one's being run. This one is run different than most step retreats. Most step retreats they'll have a speaker on each step for maybe. 10, 12 minutes, and then they meet, they just go pick where they want to be, and it's rust. We're not going to do that here. We're going to work this through slow process. We're going to come together as groups. We're going to be a learning process. We're all learning about the step guide. And I know there's a lot of people who are new, a lot of people that, that have questions, and they want to know how it works. That's what we're here for. And we're going to do this yearly. So you'll bring new sponsees and stuff with you next year, and we'll grow. Uh, and tonight, like I said, I'm an addict and I'm Bill. I am clean since November the 16th of 1979 is my clean date. I never had to go back out and use. I think that's important. You never got to use again. Whoever's went, gone back out, they never got to go back there. All right, that's as simple as it is. You're home. You should all feel your home. 
you're struggling with being home, you're struggling with your addiction, you're you want to be uh, you want to be uh, normal. Okay, I don't know what normal is out there, folks, anymore. I think we're normal. How's that? <laughs> I think we're the normal ones. All right. I think the rest rest of the world is messed up from the neck up. Okay. <laughs> All right, they don't know who they are today. Well, at least we know who we are and we're learning who we are. That's the greatest asset we got. We're learning, we're on a journey to learn who we are, why we react the way we react, and how we can accomplish and not react that way no more. How to become productive members of society, as Jimmy Kinnon said. Jimmy Kinnon said we're supposed to be productive members of society. That comes through our surrender process. All right? To be a productive member of society it does not say the NA society, it says society, he said. We are to live in the world. We, don't, we wear the world, and I'm going to use something that you may not hear uh, in narcotics and I'm going to wear it like a loose garment because that's what it truly is. We don't fit in there, folks. hate to tell you that. We don't fit there. We fit here. But we learn how to live there. The hardest thing we do is learn how to live clean in the world. That's everything but that. All right? Even to go to a restaurant today, it's hard to walk in a restaurant and then not to be serving a drug called alcohol. All right? That's why we go as teams, wherever we go. All right? We learn how to live clean. But we learn to be clean here. It's not living clean, but it's being clean. And to be clean is we admit that we're powerless over addiction, that we, our lives have become unmanageable. That's a difficult thing for us, had become unmanageable. Our lives become unmanageable, and that's why we're here. If it works so well, what are we doing here, folks? Think about that. What are we doing here if we manage our life so well? I know I was powerless. I know my life didn't work. I know, I know I could not live life on life's terms when I made it to Narcotics Anonymous. I know I hit the bottomless pit. And I was struggling. I'd rather give you my brain and let you operate it for me because I couldn't operate it. I found a sponsor I wanted to give him my brain because I said, this thing don't work for me. I need you to handle it for me. But Joseph didn't allow that. What Joseph did for me is he gave me a way to work, apply the steps, how to work the steps, how to write the steps, is what Joseph did for me. And I know a lot of you have listened to Joseph's tapes. I know they're on Spotify, right? Joseph was my first real NA sponsor. And if you listen to Joseph, you'll learn a lot. If you listen to my next NA sponsor, Greg, which is on Spotify, you'll learn a lot. Any one of my sponsors that I've ever had, you can learn a lot from. All right? My sponsor today, you've all listened to him already. He's on Spotify. He struggled this past year, almost died on us. And that's Vito. He almost passed on us. All right? But for the grace of God, he's still alive. When I ask someone to sponsor me, there's a question I ask you, are you ready to die? Are you prepared to die? If they can't say they're prepared to die, 
I don't want them for my sponsor. I need someone that's prepared to die, that they've dealt with everything in their lives. And if God wants them to come home, they're ready. If they're going to guide me through the steps. You know, and, uh, it's, it's been a difficult because I asked each one of them that question today. I buried a lot of my sponsors. Joseph, Greg, Jim Nichols, Gino. I only change sponsors usually when they die, except Joseph left me one time. And the good part is I was able to walk Joseph to his death. And I was able to walk my sponsor, Gino, to his death. And they were both comfortable with dying. And that was the most beautiful journey with them dying that I've ever had with sponsors. You know, because he was my sponsor in the end again, Joseph. I had returned to him when he was ready. So, you know, we start the step guides real simple. It's writing on step one. Take each word individually and write down your understanding of the word. Okay? Everyone can do that, right? We all know how to write down an understanding of our word. And then we look up each word in the dictionary and write the dictionary definition of the word. I tell you there's two dictionaries that I, I prescribe. One's a Random House Collegiate Dictionary with is an English dictionary. And then I use the Webster Collegiate Dictionary. They're collegiate dictionaries I use. They're the only two that I believe are the best dictionaries. The little dictionaries, they, they're missing a lot. Okay? And, and what I hope is, when it says this here part, wait 24 hours after you've done that. You wait 24 hours, and then you compare the two definitions, see if your interpretation different from the dictionary. And I hope you do have, your, your interpretations are different in some ways. Okay? I really hope that. We have a different understanding of addiction than they do. If you read what Jimmy said, an obsessive, we are obsessive, okay, by nature. We're obsessive people. And we are compulsive, all right? And they, they deal with two different aspects of our life. Our compulsion is, what, is our addiction. That's the trigger part. The obsession is our brain that triggers the compulsion and kicks it in where our body wants drugs again. Usually new, when we're new, we have these issues, okay? Usually when we're new, we have drug dreams, right? How many in here didn't have a drug dream since they're clean? Zero. Now, anyone have a drug dream like they wanted to use when they're, you're, we all did, right? We all did. When I got clean, it was every five minutes, even when I was awake. <laughs> Folks, you know how I got to a meeting? I planned my meetings how I got to them. I had to go, all the meetings where I came from in Allentown, Pennsylvania, when we first started, were in the ghetto. You had to walk by drug dealers. You had to do this. The prostitute aisles uh, section of Allentown. The meeting was there. They didn't let us off a certain street, 6th Street in Allentown where everything happened. So how do I get to the meeting at 6 and Walmart? I had to tour that thing. I had to circle around and come in the back end. 
how did I get to Chew Street? I, I mean, uh, Turner Street. That was a rough one because we right the church was right across where I ended up my addiction. So, but I still had to get there. So I figured how I was going to get there, and I went there early, before the nightlife came out. All meetings were at night. I was in the church before night then. I made sure the night creatures didn't come out on the road. After the meeting, I made sure we walked together to a diner. Every one of us went to the diner together. And the other meeting was down on 6th Street, the other end. So I could circle around and avoid these situations. Walk a mile and a half instead of walking seven blocks to get to the meeting. What I did. Because triggers were everywhere. Things that triggered my, my, obs my obsession to want to use were everywhere. I changed my, my process. I talked with my sponsor about these things. Everything I did, I talked to my sponsor. I did not want to be triggered in addiction, so I hope you have a little bit of differences from the dictionary. I'm hoping you learn something from the dictionary also. You find out we're, sometimes we're not that intelligent, or we think we knew words, and they're, and they're totally different. So I hope you learn something, and I hope you have a great comparison and go over it with your sponsor and be honest about it. Don't fear your sponsor's been there or you won't have that person to sponsor you. The first step creates the first trust in another human being. The first trust is with your sponsor. A sponsor should not talk to you about anybody. What your sponsor should do if they're having struggles, they should talk to their sponsor about the struggles they're having. And if they see something in you that they feel is struggling, they should feel free to talk to their sponsor to to sit down maybe as your sponsor and nurse sponsor with you and go over it with you, okay? You should know that. I give my phone number out to every one of my sponsees and I tell them to give their, their sponsees my phone number. I get a lot of phone calls because I care about each one of you. And, and I'm used a lot. But the, the real situation is we're here to help one another. So if you have a different comparison, don't feel bad. You're going to have a better definition a lot of time than the dictionary. But the other time, the dictionary is going to give you more insight. You're teachable now. First thing we learn is we need to be teachable, right? This is the teachable part. This is where we open our minds to be teachable. That's what that's about. Okay, so you, now you know what that part of I never shared that. I'm sharing you where we start our teachable attitude at. Uh, right, you know... The breakdown the steps in the fallen part, we admit it. Why is it written? We admit it. First, it learns you we're not alone. It's about us. We're all admitting together. We're all admitting. The we is important. It's one of the most important parts of Narcotics Anonymous is we're a we, and that's what we're learning this week and how to operate as groups, how to work as a we, a team. There's a team approach here, and that's what we're learning here. And then it talks about that we were powerless. What is that? How's that written? Past tense, isn't it? We were powerless. But why I want to talk about is the next part says over what? The next part is uh, what it says over our addiction. We were powerless. Addiction doesn't control us anymore, folks. We surrender it. We're surrendering addiction in the first step. It's no longer controlling every aspect of our life. We opened our minds already, we're teachable, 
And now we know it's past tense. Addiction is past tense. We're no longer living out there in it, are we? Active addiction we're not living in. We left that behind us. Okay? So we got to learn that there. The next part says that our lives, again, our lives, inclusive, all of us. This is inclusiveness here, folks. And that's the important part, over our lives. What is our lives? Okay? Our lives is our, every makeup of ours. Our lives is everything about us. It's everything about us. Anything, the way you think, how you feel, is part of our lives. And then it talks about had become unmanageable. Had become unmanageable. Okay? It had become unmanageable. That's what we become. Our lives are unmanageable. That's what got us here, folks. That's what brought us here, our unmanageable life, nothing else. If you can control drugs, what are you doing here? If you can control your life, what are you doing here? If you had a manageable life, why are we here? We all got to look at that. Our lives weren't manageable, and it, we ended up here. Now, what it talks about next, write about what each part means. You need to write what each part means to you. Your understanding, not mine. I'm giving you a, an overview of it. Hopefully, you'll get a little bit more in depth with it. All right? What do we do when we first get here? I'm going to tell you what we first do. We'll look around. I'm going to find the prettiest girl when I first got here. And I choose who I'm going to bed with that night, right? Hmm? We use one another like that. But we're forgetting the part that we're unmanageable. We're forgetting the part why we got here, and we're trying to fill it up with something else now. All right? We're not here for that purpose, folks. I had to learn that. Okay? And then it says, writing the step one inventory, just for today, every day. Write on the events that happened in your life and events that you recalled in the past. Okay? What happens? Okay? To me. The events that happened in my life. You want to come up here, young woman? Come here. All right? I want to tell you, an event that happens in my life, in my life, when I first walked into Narcotics Anonymous, okay? Right? How many times has this happened in Narcotics Anonymous? Huh? All right? Put my arm on her, I start rubbing her down, right? Huh? Trigger something, doesn't it? Huh? Yes. Trigger something, doesn't it, folks? You know that feeling? What do I got to write about? I got to write what is triggering in me. All right? I got to write what's happening in me. When did this happen before? What are the patterns in my life? What's that up? Why am I attracted to certain women? Hmm? Tell me. Why am I attracted to certain women? I have a pattern my whole life I'm attracted to certain women. Did you know that? Dandles in distress. Someone I could help. Right? Someone I could help. Someone I could fulfill. Right? But what happens when it's over? We're left with a hole in our gut. You know, I always ended up with my mother. Did you know that? Really? I always ended up with the woman that was like my mother. Why? Why did I end up? You know why? A woman teaches you what a man should be. Your father teaches you what a woman should be. Did you know that? 
That's part of my addiction, though. That's part of my life. Patterns, events. What, what set up for this to happen? I read her, right? I got a way to read stuff. We all do it in our addiction. We know how we're going to end up together, right? Amber, do we know how we're going to end up together, right? No, seriously. You know what happens in, in, in when we first get here, right? How do we end up there? See, addiction is everything about us. I'm powerless over that. I can't manage that. I didn't know that was going to happen when I came in here. I thought it was all about the drugs, right? It's all about the drugs, isn't it? The drugs are the tip of the icebergs, folks. How do I let go of the drugs? That was the easy part. But letting go of a beautiful woman, that's the hard part. Especially when I get older because I know how to play on them. I know the game real well. All right? Seriously, I know the game real well. I become good at the game. So how do I not take advantage of a young woman? Hmm? I help her find someone that can help her. I do not take advantage of a, a person in Narcotics Anonymous. That takes a lot for a man not to take advantage of a woman. All right? It takes a man to do that. Not an active addict. Not the addiction thinking. I need to respect each one of you here, first of all. But there are events that happened in my life that trigger that. The abandonment issues as a little boy. There's being raped as a child. Triggers all this shit. All right? Physical abuse. These, all these events trigger my life, my feelings. The first step is about feelings. It's the first step is identifying these feelings and where I end up. What triggers me wanting to use? Hmm? You know? Yeah, for me it's uh, trauma. Yeah. And you've been through a lot in your life, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what triggers us. That's an event. That trauma is an event for you and I. Me as a child, living with five sisters, okay? A lot of events happened in my life. I just want to feel good. I don't want to feel different no more. I want help. And I didn't know how to get it. That's why God sent me a man named Joseph Prophet. He sent the man that could help me not take advantage of a young woman when she walks in the room. And not allow my obsession to get involved. See, that's an obsession. Did you know that? There's triggering events with obsessions in our lives that have nothing to do with drugs but they all lead us back to drugs. If I took advantage of her, guess where I'm gonna end up? Sooner or later, I'm gonna end up using. All right? That's the hard part in this fellowship, not taking advantage of people. We all got patterns in our life, okay? Every one of us. What are them events that trigger these, these feelings? What, any guy have problems with, with tough guys in this room? Seriously. You got problems with tough guys, right? I like being a tough guy with people like you. You know why? I like to trigger you. But seriously, I was abused my whole life. I had problems. I have problems with tough guys when they walk through the door. You know why? I know they're fakes. I know they're fakes. There is no tough guys that make it here. You know where they're at? Jail or, or in the grave. Because they never surrender. They're always saying in their mind, I'll never quit. 
They end up in and out of prisons and don't get clean. And why? Because they're too tough to get clean. Their image is more important. We let go of our images here, don't we? We let go of them. Our images are something that triggers us. Did you know that? Till we find out who we truly are? I'm going to tell you, each one of us, the little boy living inside each guy here, and there's a little girl living in each side girl here, woman here. Touch that little person inside that wants to come out and play and wants to be happy. Let that person free. That's what we start with in our first step, folks. This ain't about drugs. This is about being set free, folks. And uh, it's very difficult for us, okay? And uh, so just for today, every day, write on the events that happen in your life and events they recall from the past. What I just did recall something for her, okay? And I know that. I know she's hurting and her group's going to have to love her, okay? That's your, that's your issue, to deal with that and love her. I can touch each one of you on the couch tonight if you want to hang on the couch. I can touch each one of you because I've been here long enough to know how to touch each one of you inside. I know how to make us feel uncomfortable. But I can tell you, if we get through it this weekend, we're all going to grow. We're going to be a unit when we leave here. We're going to understand addiction. We're going to understand recovery more than anything. And I, I don't want to get too much in depth with this here because I want your group studying it. I, I, I may, you might be the next one I call up here, folks. It might be you, okay? You like to be a jokester. I'm going to find out why he wants to be a jokester, okay? Usually we're hiding something, okay? And we write about this, you know, we, and then write about how you could have not controlled the circumstance that brought up the event, okay? Child, I couldn't control the circumstances led up to the physical abuse or led up to the sexual abuse on me. All right? I couldn't, you know, you think about it. Any guy's been raped by a man as a child? I know what it's like, okay, folks? I know what it's like to be raped when you're a teenage kid and there's predators coming to the playgrounds and you're the chosen one for him. And I know the filth that I carried throughout life because of that. I know how it triggered events with me. I know how it confused me. And you didn't talk about it, and no one else talked about it, and everyone knew the, the, the secrets, but no one dealt with them. And you were left to your own devices. That's part of my trigger events in my life. And what did it do to me? What did it set me up at? That's how I become a tough guy in my life. That's how I couldn't be touched. I protected my innermost parts. I protected myself through physical violence. Physical violence triggers stuff in me, folks. All right? That's part of my life. That's events where I end up in physical violence. How do I end up in jail all the time? I'm no thief. I end up there for physical violence. That's how I went to jail. I was protecting something inside of me. It wasn't until I got here that I learned to let go of that through the step process, through first identifying the first step. First step has not to do about drugs. It's about letting go of your, your addiction, yes. It's about letting go of the drugs. You're not powerless over drugs, folks, after you come here. There's not a drug out there in the world that's going to take you, my friend, right? You know who I'm talking to, right? My group leader. There's no drug that ever, ever forced itself in your body, has it? You made the action to pick it up 
to put it down your throat, to put it in your arm, to smoke it, all right? You made that choice, didn't you? So there's no drug in, that's going to chase you in this room. Not one drug will chase you. What's going to chase you is these, these thoughts, these emotions. That's what's going to chase you and set you up to go pick up and make that decision to go back out. That's a choice here, folks. You made it here. You have a choice to stay here. You have a choice to reach in your interest in this here weekend and learn about yourself and walk out of here a better person and working together and know each other. I hope you get uncomfortable this weekend. I hope you cry and I hope you laugh together. I hope you love one another better. Okay? So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to turn you over to your group. Find where you want to meet. Each group leader, find a spot for you, okay? I don't care if you're sitting outside there. I don't care if you're picking tables in here. You're sitting out in a little foyer there on the couches, okay? There's spots for everyone. So thank you, guys. And I'm going to walk around and check on you, okay? Bill. Uh, I thank everyone for being here. We are on step two and three today, this morning, okay? All right. Uh, everyone knows what group they're with. You, you, you stay with the same group for the weekend. All right. So you know who your group leaders are? All right. Yeah, I said everyone knows who their group leader is, right? So, uh, and we will start off with step two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. You know, and, uh, you know, we all know the whole process is writing on step two, take each individual word and write their understanding of it, look it up in the dictionary and write down the dictionary definition of each word, wait 24 hours and compare the two definitions. If you're, if you're understanding difference from the dictionary, okay? You need to write about it. And I hope it does. All right, I really do, because when you think about the words, even the breakdown, we, you know, writing on the step, the step breakdown, we came. Came is a bridge word. Simple, it's a bridge word. But it's, it's present, it's not past. It's in present time. It's a bridge in present. It's a connecting. The we is important like I saw, talked about earlier. It's inclusive. Inclusiveness is important here in this program. Uh, you know, we deal with issues throughout a day. We have, right now, we got a set of people here who care for one another. And I think it's important to understand that. Our first understanding of Narcotics Anonymous when we get here is we don't have a greater power. We had a lower power that kept us out there. We come in here as damaged goods, every one of us. And I want to touch this because I'm dealing with issues here about uh, this should be the safest environment for an addict to walk into. 
We have a responsibility to keep our groups safe. It's our responsibility. And our responsibility is not to harm other individuals in the program Narcotics Anonymous. I talk about PI, right? You may be the only thing the public ever sees of Narcotics Anonymous. And if we're acting out in ways that are not appropriate, it affects us. You know, um, and especially where we're on grounds that people know we're from Narcotics Anonymous here. They know we are from Narcotics Anonymous regardless. We negotiate a contract. They know what we're doing here. And if we're acting out inappropriate, it affects NA as a whole. Even though we're not Narcotics Anonymous as a whole, we're sponsorship. But we affect NA as a whole by our actions. And I think that's an understanding that maybe some of us need to look at we have someone being disobedient, told he cannot have a tent here, talked various times by me personally that what he's doing is not acceptable. You have other lower powers when you walk through the doors. I talk with people about issues. Issues are, when I came here, I made a decision not to be acting out on my sickness. And in this process, I met a man named Joseph Proctor, okay? Uh, Joseph talked to me about not acting out. He told me I need to have three relationships. And then three relationships are the only relationship I need at that moment with myself, my sponsor and God, God I didn't know. So my relationship was between Joseph and me first. I followed direction well. I looked at, and Joseph would always use things like, when you're struggling with these words that are in these steps, you said put periods behind God, that's third step. But you know, when I look at the second step, I look at the next step. I don't care who you are. Okay, and there's this God stuff again. We've, a lot of us have rejected that in our lives. Drugs were our God. Drugs were our greater power. All right, the addiction was my greater power before I got to Narcotics Anonymous. Addiction itself was a greater power than me. It controlled every aspect of my life. So I struggled with these words when I got here. I had to find something greater. This here step talks about something greater than all of us. It doesn't say a higher power in that just short form, does it? I like, a friend of mine says, it's the steps and traditions, I follow them, the ones that are on the wall. A lot of groups, they have them on the wall. The steps, short firm, and the traditions, short firm. There's nothing behind them literally as they're written. And it talks in here, we came to believe. Believe in what? I first believed in the word Narcotics Anonymous was my hope. That was my first 
understanding that Narcotics Anonymous was my hope. I built that first relationship with my sponsor because I didn't know how to have a relationship with me. My first relationship was my sponsor, who I trusted. I learned to trust when I got here. You think about trusting another person. You're giving them your life. I didn't want my mind when I got here. I was tired of it. I, I wanted to take it out of my head and say, here, you operate it for me. But my sponsor wouldn't allow that to happen. He said, you're going to learn how to use that mind for positive, to be a positive human being. And as we went through this here, and said that a power, a power, it's not talking about a whole lot of different, it's talking about a power, singular power. And then it says greater, greater than ourselves, inclusive, all of us. This power has to be so great, it is larger than Narcotics Anonymous. And it tells us that we're going to, it's greater than ourselves and it could, re, it could restore us to sanity. What is sanity? I like to say a sane way of thought. I don't, I didn't know how to uh, have a sane thought in my mind. My mind did not turn off when I got here. You know, I was an obsessive compulsive writer when I got here. I used to write anything that came to my mind. That's what Joseph told me to do. Anything's in that mind, get it down. He said, because that's what's going to get you in trouble if you keep it up there. I even write songs about what's going on in my mind, demons, larks, and angels. I was, I was conflicted. I was conflicted with negative thoughts, trying to have hope at the same time. I was conflicted when I got here. I only had certain patterns in my life. I've been affected by many of things that happened in my life. And so I wrote about it. And I had a stack about this high on little sheets of paper that I used to get in the steel mill and sit there and write. And then I had to sort all that paperwork out and make sure I had enough to go over this step with my sponsor and get all them songs out of there I used to write. You know, I could have made Black Sabbath even greater than they were. I could have gave them some of my lyrics. It sounded good to their music. You know, and then it says, we're writing the step two image. Write what each part of the step breakdown means to you. It's talking about your thinking process, not mine. Your thinking process, what it means to you. You got to go through it, folks. We got to look at it. We got to find out what it means. You know, write your concept of insanity. Oh, that's an easy part. That's the easiest part of a ball. Insanity. I lived there. You know, anyone ever watch one uh, flew over the cuckoo's nest? I could identify. I could identify with with Jack Nichols. You know why? Guy was always plotting how to escape. That was me, trying to escape wherever I was at. Organize the clientele, right? Go to prison, organize the, the prisoners. You know, how sick are we? We're trying to organize insane human beings. 
to act the way we want them to act when we're insane. I mean, I, I tell you something. I look at it, if you walk in this program and you want to hit on a brand new comer, go to a mental institution because that's what the state of the newcomer is. And if that's what you're doing here, they need to be confronted and tell them this is not what this place is about. This is about giving that person an opportunity to recover from the disease of addiction. We don't gotta tolerate that behavior anymore. It's not acceptable. It's insane behavior. Everyone walks through the door has the right to recover in a safe environment. I had to learn that in Narcotics Anonymous. How are we gonna have a safe environment? By following the 12 traditions, first of all. But looking to those who came before us, like Jimmy Kinnon was my grand sponsor. And then we uh, write, you know, that concept of insanity. And then we get it right, what's the contest of sanity? Whoa, that's deep. That is deep. What is the concept of sanity? Making the right decisions. And where do I learn how to do that with my sponsor? I call my sponsor up daily. Whether he calls me back or not is of no essence. My direction was to call my sponsor. That's what my direction was given to me. Call my sponsor. Make a commitment. Learn how to be ritualistic in, in that sense. You ask your sponsor to sponsor you. He accepted or she accepted that responsibility to help you in recovery. So I called daily. Anyone that knows me knows my phone rings a lot. And I may, I don't like these cell phones because they're not, I can't, my cell phone won't take more than two calls at a time. It just like, the third call doesn't come through. So you may have called. I may have missed it. So call back, right, Herman? Call back. If you didn't get through to me and it went right to the machine, it means there's two issues. I never turn my phone off. Even my phone's on. It's on, on the buzzer right now. The ringer will not go off during this weekend. Okay, and if I see someone call me in the break, I'll call them back. Because I do have some, uh, one sponsee who couldn't get over here for sure because of He's paroled, and the parole agent will not let him leave his own county. He's stuck there. He's going to come over next year. He got permission to come to the FSC this year because I talked with his parole agent about this, and I said it's something that he really needs to do, and it's in Pennsylvania, so can he leave Delaware County to come up to uh, Birch County? And she said for that, she'll allow him to travel. But he made the commitment to come next year. You know, I expect the people that aren't here this year to be here next year, every one of them. You know, and we're going to start going over that, right? What each part means to you now. See, now you go back over each part. After you did the sanity thing, you go back over each part and what it means now that you know what sanity is. And it says, write your first experience in the, with the belief in a power greater than self, how that power helped you in your life today. That's an easy part for me today, but I look at it daily. 
God, this greater power, can they be defined as the word God? So it's your choice. Or you can call it the hubba dubba bubba for all I care. All right? Seriously. I'm not here to define the name of this greater power. If it works, use it. You'll define the third step when you get there. But right now you need that greater power. You need to understand the restored. You know what restored means? Anybody here, uh, a car, likes old cars? What do you do when you buy an old car? What do you got to do to it? Huh? You got to restore it, right? To its previous condition. What previous condition are we talking about here, folks? I was confused with that because I don't want to be restored to my previous condition. I don't want to be restored to the, the pain of my childhood. I don't want that restoration. I want to be restored to what I was before human beings molded me. So I want to be restored what's in when I was inside my mother's womb when I felt safe. It was not tampered with yet. I want to be totally restored to that point. But I got all this garbage in my mind, right? What do you need? Can I ask a question? When I'm done, of course. Hold it. Yeah. Don't lose the thought, please. I wrote it out. Good. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> because uh, that restoration process, okay? I always say I've been born into addiction. My father had me drinking at five years old with him to be his drinking partner because he was a drunk. His drug of choice was alcohol. It's a narcotic, folks. So I've been controlled by addiction in one form or the other. Our society promotes addiction, if you didn't take notice. I mean, in, in the United States, and they say, oh, do the blue pill. What the hell is the blue pill? I mean, and then they list all these side effects, because they have to now. But they're on 24 hours around the, on the TV if you watch it. Constantly about drugs. It used to be when I grew up, it was all about alcohol. You know what they always do? They show pretty people. They show happy people. They do the same thing with these pills. Happy people. Oh, you're a little depressed, do this. That's what society does. Think about that. We are flooded with information like this from child on up. We don't know how to live. We don't know what functional is. So why are we struggling because of that? Garbage in, garbage out. We've been going, we've been molded for years and we make it here. And now we need to deal with this issue, okay? We need to deal with this issue and I want it to be purged of everything. Any thought that I had, I need it out of my mind. I need it to get to the basics. Narcotics Anonymous is the basics. Narcotics Anonymous became cinema with my life. It became what my life was in the beginning. 
my life depended on this fellowship and being a productive place, a safe environment me so I could get through the garbage and was no longer controlled by it. That took years. Didn't happen overnight, folks. Miracles happen, but they don't happen overnight. Every one of us is a miracle that's here today. That's the greatest aspect that we have is we're all miracles. And then it talks about writing the daily step inventory until the step is revealed. How do you know when it's revealed? Your sponsor will tell you it's revealed. They'll show you the points where it's been revealed in your life. The sponsor will let you know when it's time to bridge to the next step. If you think you're doing, uh, what do you call it, journaling, you said somebody here? So it's like they were journaling? It can be like that. It can be like that. When you call me up and I'll say, when have you ever been in this situation before? Seriously, when have you dealt with these issues? What were the circumstances that led up to the event that had happened? How far back can you remember? You gotta identify where the insanity starts, when you can first pick that first regulation up, when you had your first rebellion in your life, when you can remember that, what, where are you at today with that? Where are the same situations arising? You know, you can run away from home when you're 14 years old like I did. You can live out in Haight-Ashbury like I did. You know what the problem is? I took that guy with me. He looked back in the mirror at me. Nothing changed. Just the, the surroundings changed. But you know, within a, a few months, the same personalities were back in my life that I ran with at home. Just different faces. But I knew that was Denny, this was this guy, this was this guy, this was, uh, this was Rosie. I had the same personalities in my life because I took this guy with me. The problem was me. I had to identify who the problem was. I'm the problem. I'm the guy that needs help. Our first experience with sanity is following direction and being willing to take do what it takes to move forward. And then it's going to tell you, uh, right in, in what was real, then relate it to your daily life, share everything with your sponsor, everything. It doesn't say partially, does it? Everything. And then it talks about if your sponsor thinks Oh, then you got to write 10 examples how you are being restored to sanity. 10 examples. Everyone thought, oh, that's going to be, no, it isn't. So now you got to look at it and look at your life and how you're being restored, how your thinking process has changed, how you surrendered emotions already in the first step. Jimmy Kennan said, we deal with the things that would take us out there time and time again. They're your emotions. Your emotions are what take you out there. It's not drugs. Drugs are just the end result. Our behavior, our patterns is what takes us out there, not dealing with it. That's what takes us out there. My patterns, my behavior. I need to change all that. That's when sanity starts to happen. Now I can start writing examples of that, how I changed in that process along the road. 
And uh, if your sponsor thinks you are ready to move on to step three, they'll let you know. They give you more writing, don't worry. If rebellion comes up, guess what? You got a lot to write about. Because now we'll go to rebellion and see how rebellion uh, affected your life. So you're just willing to listen, be open-minded, and not argue with your sponsor. Not think you know better than your sponsor. They're sponsoring you, you're not sponsoring them. And they'll let you know when it's time to move. You may not think you're ready, but your sponsor knows you're ready. That's as simple as there's some sponsees that said they're not ready yet. Well, they're ready. They just don't know it. So what's the question before I move on? Talking about being in the womb, my friend. Only in the womb is it enough? For me, yes. Yeah, for me, okay, but maybe not for everybody because if you are born in Hitler, you can be Yeah, now we have other issues that we got to go through, okay? They need to be restored then before conception, okay? <laughs> if they were in the womb and their mother's on heroin, guess what? They're, they are born addicted. You're right. And they need to be restored before conception in a spiritual form. Okay? So I hope that answers that. Okay? Well, then you have the wrong sponsor. Then you have the wrong sponsor. That's as simple that is. If your sponsor's not ready, you have the wrong sponsor. Okay. I just want people to understand that. That, uh, you know, this is trial and error. You think you found the right, the right sponsor and you don't understand what they're doing. If someone's giving you direction and they're not following that direction, okay, it's a problem. I don't ask anyone to do what I haven't done or not willing to do. If I, if I go over stuff with you, I've already done it. When I ask you, I don't talk 90 and 90. I hate to tell you that, folks. I talk about a year to year and a half of daily meetings. All right? That's what Joseph, when he starts sponsoring me, I already had a year and a half. I did another year and a half. I did five years of daily meetings, folks. And then I missed one and went ran back for five more. I was scared not to go to meetings. I was scared. As long as fear controlled my life, I better be in a meeting. Then I'd ask Joseph, say, Joseph say, when do you think you should be in a meeting, Bill? And I'd like, well, I guess when I need it. No, it doesn't matter when you want to or you don't want to. Go to a meeting. Quit trying to operate your own brain. All right, and follow direction and do it well, and I've done it well. So you had a good question there, though. I hope you got the right answer, okay? All right? So that's, uh, you know, 
The only question, it's not a good question, is the one that's not asked. If you don't ask it, it's not a good question, is it? Ask the, any question that comes to your mind. All right? Use your sponsor. They're the first experience with a greater power than you. First experience is walking through the door and letting the fellowship love you and give you a safe environment. That's where you start to formulate this whole greater power stuff. And I'm not going to be stupid like they did to me when, I went, when they paroled me to another fellowship and I walk in there and these guys thought I was stupid. They tell me a doorknob can be your fucking higher power. And I looked, see, they used the word higher power there. They didn't use the word greater power. And I thought these people were stupid. I'll take that doorknob and I'll bust it over their fucking head. I'll show them who their higher power is. And they'd say, That's, we used to have ass tracing rooms. They used to, they used to go to meetings and you'd be from your waist up and smoke. And then the cigarette smokers would decide we're not going to smoke no more. Or we're going to smoke one person at a time. That's the good one. All of a sudden, this person smoking, and all of a sudden, everyone's smoking. Because <laughs> they can't wait. Peter Trader by the smoke, right? So they made a decision, no smoking meetings in Allentown, PA, one day. The smokers did. Because they couldn't handle it no more. But the situation that come about, okay, from these experiences, where I had to learn to surrender and accept. I had to learn to surrender and accept and, and ask questions. Can I help you? No, it isn't. And I talked about I talked about a lot, and my question is, uh, can a power greater than ourselves uh, change from day to day for myself? A greater power? Yeah. It's, if it's spiritual? Yeah. Is it spiritual? There's a definition, spirit in nature. Yeah. All right? It's greater than all of us, so how could it change that much from day to day? Yeah, that's so. So you need to get a lot of writing to do about control issues in your first step, then. You got any definitions of, of a greater power? Well, you're, well, maybe you're not ready to name it. Call it Hubba Dubba Bubba. I told you that. All right? I, you don't get caught up in the name at this moment. That's the only thing that's going to confuse you. Follow good direction, good early direction. The greater power is greater than all of us, so. It's inclusive. It's greater than all of us. It doesn't say my greater power, does it? Does that step even state my greater power? We came to believe, we, inclusive, that we is the important part. Doesn't say I have that personal, and that I should 
personalize. I need to look at something greater than all of us together. You, as a human being, will fail me. I will fail you at times, folks. I'm not the greater power. I will fail you. I could be nasty one day. I could be irritable. I could affect you. So that, that greater power is not a human of nature. People need to understand when we're dealing with the steps, we're talking about a spiritual power. Something that's greater than everybody in this room right now. It has to be that great. Can God use someone to speak to me? Yes. Because I'm going to the third step anyway. I'm going through the bridge. Can God come to each one of you in this room? Yes. He, you might be the vehicle that he's delivering the message to me with. So that part that you're talking about, God could use anyone. Could use any individual. He wakes me up in the middle of the night. And I'm like, what's going on here? I didn't sleep for three, four days, and, and now I'm trying to rest, and now you're going to wake me up, God? You know what the first reaction once come out of my mouth? How dare you? I've already crossed the line, ain't I? I've already violated that relationship. I'm not willing to be open-minded and listen at that moment in time. God wakes me up in the middle of the night, and he gives me things, and I've got to write it down. I got to look on my, my, my desk side of my bed and I got to see what I wrote the night before because I don't know because I take notes. I make sure there's a notepad. I make sure there's a pen at the side of my bed. I like doing prayer to prayer. Do you ever hear me talk about that prayer to prayer? Yeah, you have. I talk about living prayer to prayer. I wake up in the morning, I'm in prayer. I close the night out, I'm in prayer. I can wake up in the middle of the night in prayer. And I do it many of times. I'm trying to become a spiritual being. I'm trying to convert my whole body and spirit into a spiritual being. I'm doing what it takes to be part of the whole. When it says in step three, we made a decision to turn our woven lives over to the care of God as we understood him. It doesn't say understand, does it? Understood God. I, I don't have an understanding of God, do I? I went to those who came before me. I went to Joseph, Greg, and Jimmy. They're my three main to go people that I went to. I needed their understanding of God to, to look at it because if I look at my past life where it says we understood, see the key words we again, we understood God. So I go those to those that were here before me because I don't have it. I didn't trust it. I lacked trust. I lacked faith. This is a step of faith. And when I think about a step of faith, writing on step three, take each individual word and write your understanding of it. How you think, what, what you believe the word is. Look up each word in the dictionary, write down the definitions of each word, wait your 24 hours again, 
And they're saying, well, why do I got to write again about we? We could have changed if she's talking about things could change. Right? The concept could change. You might get a deeper level of the we. It might be that deeper level. Jimmy talked about that deeper level of being empathy, compassion. All right? Care for one another. It gets deeper. And learning that process is difficult at times. And you write what you learn from the experience again. You duplicate things. Sit down and go over there writing uh, with your sponsor before you proceed with it. How many addicts skip that part and don't go of the writing before that you did with your sponsor, but move on? You're in the control when that happens. But you'll get back to it somehow. Because if you have a good sponsor, they're going to get you back there somehow. They'll have you look at your your control issues. And then you go over that with them. You know, uh, you think about it. And then we write that the breakdown. We, we made. We made is past tense. Did you know that? We made is past tense. Made. We made is past. Again, a decision. A decision. The first decision they say we made, but I think it's a little bit uh, manipulated because you made a decision the minute you walked in the door and said, I want to be clean. But now you're getting at a deeper level of, of decision. You're going to look at your second step and you're going to look at the, what that greater power was defined as. The definition's going to change. This whole God thing's going to change. To turn our will, our will, what is our will? Anyone know what our will is? My reaction to life. Right. Our will is, our will is our thinking process. It's chasing what I want to chase, right? Following the obsession, right? Hmm? Following that obsession, that's our will. Our will is to be self-destructive, folks, before we got here. Our will is what keeps us in the wall and keeps us trying to hide. Addicts look at me and they say, you make me feel uncomfortable. No, you make yourself feel uncomfortable. Because you got these things that we're going to deal with later in the steps this weekend called shortcomings, a defect of character, that type of stuff. That's what makes us feel uncomfortable. You feel someone can look through you. Well, we can. We have that experience from being here long enough to know. We can see the patterns. And that makes you feel, honesty makes you feel uncomfortable when someone's gut level honest. It talks about gut level honest in the basic text. You know that? If you didn't read it yet, read it. It's a good book. Read the gray book. It gets even deeper. You know, you think about that there. Uh, we turn our will. In our lives, why is life separate from our will? Our lives is everything about us. Everything. Our lives is everything about us. We are at that point. It's our whole makeup. 
They're separate. Our will is first and then our lives. Totally different. Our will is something that operates that brain up there that gets us in trouble. Constantly, repetitive, gets us in trouble. Our lives is everything about us. It's my work, it's my relationships, it's, it's uh, my interactions in the outside world. It's everything. It's about the way I manage my money. It's everything, folks. And it's, what are we going to turn it over to? Over to the care of God. So it says God has to have care. If you read it a little bit deeper in the step, it talks about having to have other attributes of empathy, compassion. That excludes humans. Did you know that? We're not 24-24 with them things in us. hate to tell you, I wake up some days. Today I woke up in anger. Not that I woke up that way. I woke up ready to surrender, and then I've gotten to anger. Someone knocks on my door. And i got to confront this human being. I'm angry. That, so it does not include humans. At that moment, what I want to do, and I let the person know they have a choice to make today. They have a choice to make, and they're making, make the right one. Because if you stay in my room any longer, you're going to get 10 knuckle sandwich. All right, at that point. And I'll be comfortable with it. I'm pissed. I'm pissed because I'm watching the predator and justifying and rationalizing it. I'm angry. So does that include me? No. It's got to be spiritual in nature. It's got to be that part that's going to walk me through it. I'm going to talk about it, and I'm going to be delivered from that anger. I'm not going to continue with the day and have my whole day wrecked with that anger from this morning. I'm human, of course. I go through these things, folks. Things trigger me. Then I got to write about it. Now I'm back on my first three steps, see? Now I'm going back through where, where I felt like this before. Where'd this come from? What was the situation? I'm back on step one. Greg had a habit of taking me back through the first three steps. Before I would continue sometimes in my step I'm on. He had a habit of going through a many first three steps with me. I've done many a first three steps with him before I could move on with whatever step I'm on with him. So it's a repetitive program. And, um, and, and uh, right in the first three, write five examples of how you turn your will and life over to the care of God. Five examples, that shouldn't be hard, should it? Huh? David, is that hard? No. It was for you. Come on, get honest, brother. Yeah, but that's a deeper level again, right? Sponsor might take you back through the first two steps to get to that point. All right? But then five examples, they're simple, but not without difficulties. They're simple. But that means taking inventory and looking at these five examples. I could have I put 20 examples in there for you, though. I should have had Neil input that, okay? <laughs> we can Skype Neil. Yeah, okay. 
But that, and write about what you believe faith means to you and how it affects your life. Faith? That's, that's a, you know where you create faith? The minute you walk through the doors and you start having faith in the program. That's where faith starts. When you believe there's something in here that's keeping you clean. I can't stay clean alone. So I got to believe there's something that the power in these rooms, that greater power in these rooms that's keeping me clean. That's where faith starts. Starts by example of watching others and seeing their lives change. That's where faith starts. This faith here is deeper though. But when I'm looking at these, uh, what faith means to me and how it affects my life, it gave me a little bit of sanity, didn't it? I stopped repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Because I start building this faith up. Faith turns into belief. It's what happens, it turns into belief. He's talking about seeing and stuff. It's not, it doesn't happen. At the second step, it happens in the third step. You define that level of God, okay, as you progress. What ha happens if you actually accept this step in your life? Now you got to look at what actually happens if you accept it. A little bit more productive, right? A little bit more positive. Hmm? People start wanting to be around you all of a sudden. And now what's wrong? What's going on here? Why do they want to be around me? There's something that's changing. People can see the change. People are no longer rejecting me. See, that's new. That's new, isn't it? People ain't reject. People want to talk to us. Why do they want to talk to me? Right? Maybe something has changed. I'm a little bit more deep. I'm, I'm lowering the, the defense mechanism. I'm letting more people in. That's what happens, okay? And then it says, write your daily step inventory until the step is revealed to you again. Revealed. How is it revealed in my life? by my actions. These little things I'm talking about that I, people see changing me. I'm hearing positive stuff back. People start calling up and want me to sponsor them. People start wanting to hang out at my house. <coughs> you stay clean long enough, the phone's gonna ring 24 hours around the clock. All right? So it's being revealed. Write about what was revealed and relate it in your daily life. Now we got to write what was revealed. I'm no, I'm no longer struggling with the concept of God. Uh, I have now got to the point in recovery that I know God is defined as a spirit. I've been to Russia. I got there, and they, they says, oh, uh, we got 12 hour days here, two days in a row, and you're the speaker. I'm the speaker. 
Well, we'll take an hour for lunch and an hour for dinner. They ain't taking a long time for dinner even. They ain't taking a two-hour dinner break. They're taking an hour. So that leaves 10 hours that day for me. So I got to design how we're going to do this thing. So the first issue we do, we talk about sponsorship. Sponsorship. The second thing we do, I break the steps down how I'm going through them today. But we start with sponsorship. And then we go through the steps. And then I burn interpreters out. They can't keep up. And I'm like, you know, the nicest part of my, my step series over there is a couple of them got a woman saying, I'm an addict and I'm Bill. I like my voice in Russian as a woman. Kind of neat. The Russian part's in a woman's voice and the English part's in a man's voice. So I got dual personality, right? Her voice sounds more soothing than mine. But I, I like that there, okay? You know, but I looked at this here and I'm thinking, and they want to know, how do you know God exists? So a bunch of them stayed with me after the, after the conference was over. And I did something that's an outside issue. But I took them to the Orthodox Russian Church. And then we went in. I didn't know how they even operate there. I was expecting the priest to get up and talk. The priest didn't talk. I'm like, what's going on here? You've got people on their knees praying for an order or in the house. And I'm looking at this commitment. And then I'm, the priest walks around and they're praying. And they've got that incense stuff. And they're just walking around and they're, you got smoke going up through the whole facility. And then I asked the guys afterwards, I said, what'd you, what'd you think about this? They said, what did you feel? They felt the spiritual, that's God. It's the spirit, you felt the spirit. The same thing when you walk in Narcotics Anonymous, if you say that silent prayer long enough, you can feel a spirit going through the room if we're, if we're in a big circle and our arms are around one another, you should be able to feel the spirit of each individual in that room, accumulation of it. You should feel the life that's defined as God. God is revealed through his spirit. Doesn't even tell you there's a name there, does it? Someone wants to name it. Call it what you may. Allow God to define itself to you. God will reveal it's his, himself to you. Don't get caught up in the word himself. When you're of spirit, you're not female or male. Did you know that? You're a pure spirit. God is pure spirit. God is pure love. God takes all these definitions on. How can you, even at this young of a mind, in recovery, define it as a name at that moment. You'll do that as you stay around long enough. You'll come to understand. You'll name God. It'll take meaning in your life. And it reveals itself to you. And you'll share it with your sponsor. If your sponsor feels you are ready for the fourth step, you move on to step four. Your sponsor will let you know again. Don't argue with your sponsor. They're moving you on. You're moving on. I moved a couple people over. Uh, onto the fourth step, last. I told them they're moving on. I don't care if they think they're ready. 
for moving on because I can't do them any more good in that third step. I'm stifling them. I don't have the right to stifle a human being. It's not my right. It's time they see what really their makeup is. But I'm not going to talk about the fourth step this afternoon. Don't get caught up in words. Don't get caught up in any of this stuff. Allow your sponsor to help you and guide you and be that positive force in your life to lead you. You know, they got an old saying in America, you can lead a horse to water, but if the horse don't want to drink it, he won't drink it, right? Same thing here. We can only lead by example, be productive in your life, and if we can guide you, let us. We're here to help. Thank you. And now go with your groups. You have questions, ask your group leaders. Let's go over these questions. Let's come up with solutions and bring some real positive stuff back here. Okay? What we call this, this is where the hammer meets the road. This is the part that divides people from growth or lack of growth. The fourth step. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That means you had to resolve fear already. It says fearless. You don't walk into a fourth step with fear. You already resolved that through your first three steps. You know, and, uh, the key word is fearless in that step. You know, this is a step you should look forward to. Should be not a step that you fear and want to know what's going to happen because it starts off in here in the approach to the fourth step inventory. The purpose of a searching and fearless moral inventory is, is to sort through the confusion and contradiction of our lives so that we can find out who we really are. This is where you find out who you are. Everything, all the work you did so far, and it is application, it is doing inventory work, but this is a deeper level. This is a deeper level. Who has a phone on, please? Turn them off. Unless you want to play me Jimi Hendrix Star Spangled Banner. Uh, but uh, when you think about it, we are starting a new way of life and need to be rid of the burdens and traps which have controlled us and prevented growth. All along we've been dealing with that there, the things that prevent us from growth, right from the start. Because Jimmy Kinnon said we need to deal with what would take us out there time and time again, and why not right from the start? Why not? But now it's time to get deeper. Is we need to look at why we're controlled, why we're, we have these traps that are inside of us that prevent us. You know, and I think about it as we approach the this step, most of us are afraid there is, uh, 
there's a monster inside of us. You know, and uh, if released, will destroy us. These are all thoughts before we even get to the fourth step we think about. All right? We think about stuff like this here when we walk through the doors. And, we, you know, what addicts want to do, they want to they want to do the first step, they want to do the fourth step, okay, and they want to do the twelfth step. Is what we want to do. However, we can't do any of them things if we don't do this. We can't do any of these things if we're not working the first three steps in our life and building a foundation. So far, you've gone through the first three steps here, and it's already called emotional upheavals. It has already caused things that you didn't think you'd be dealing with in the first three steps. Oh, you want to know? I'm going to answer your question first. That little question that you ask, two groups ask it at least. HP, greater power, GP. Greater power is this. GP is this. I mean, HP. That's how small it is. Why is it in our book? Because when we wrote our book, we had a lot of people from the other fellowship yet. The other fellowship uses this here, and they, and they don't use the word God. The greater power sets us up for the word God. HP blocks us from God. Because it's that small. I don't use the word higher power in my vocabulary. In any of my shares, you'd never hear me talk about HP. I go directly from the second step to God, and I talk about God and what he's done for my life and how he's changed my life. I eliminated that from my vocabulary. And I believe if this was only written without the influence of the other fellowship, that, that, little, that little HP would not be there. We don't have to manipulate people to get to God. It's a manipulation, it's a calm. Anyone ever do Amway? What? You heard of it. Yeah, yeah. But they don't tell you it's Amway. They do everything not to tell you it's Amway. Why? And we want to do everything with this word HP so we don't have to utilize the word God. We don't get through these steps without the word God. I wanted to answer that question because it was asked a few times already and we didn't answer it yet. So I decided it should be answered. We had to rush the last session, so we didn't get to answer it at the end. But it's not in my, in my vocabulary. I don't use it. So I hope that helps you. Because if you're in the, this sponsorship family, we need to eliminate that word. We need to eliminate it. It holds us back from growth. And we don't want to be held back. We want to grow. 
and we've had, been, we have been experts at self-deception. How do you like that one? Experts. So you're an expert, every one of you. How's that? And rationalization. Oh my God, mouthful, huh? By writing our inventory, we can overcome these obstacles. A thorough written inventory will unlock parts of our subconscious, which remain hidden when simply think about or talk about who we are. Once it's all down on paper, it's much easier to see, much harder to deny our true nature. Honest self-assessment is one of the keys to our new way of life. The only way to get clean is to stop using, and the only way to take an inventory is to sit down and do it. It's that simple. Many specific inventory methods have been used successfully by our members. This inventory method has worked for some of us and can work for you if you follow through. Remember, you cannot write a bad inventory, only a better one. And you can't write too little, but never too much. You will need a pen and paper. Line paper or a theme book, a pen and a good dictionary. Sit down at the table or desk to write. Make sure you have plenty of room and that you and it will not be unnecessary interrupted. So when you're writing the fourth step, you don't want to be interrupted. You want to put time and space aside for that. I'm going through this guide. Look up the definition of any words that you do not know the meaning of. You're actually writing. Leave a wide margin so you can add or comment later. We don't erase. Try to write down what comes to you first and don't edit, edit your inventory. Don't worry about spelling or neatness. Your inventory should be readable but doesn't have to be a work of art. Do not erase or obliterate anything you write. I just say we don't erase, we don't obliterate it. It's important. Do not strike out wrong words or errors with a single line through it so you can read it. Do not, if, if something pops into your head when you are working on something else, write it down or make, or make an, a knot on a separate sheet so you can return to it later to get back to what you're doing before. You're writing a for you. At this point, the fifth step does not exist. Write down everything, even the things that you are unwilling to share. You can always take something out later by writing it down. At least you will have a chance to see it more clearly. Write until you have nothing left to write. Your inventory will probably take more than one setting to write. Try to stop at the end of this section and start again as soon as possible. When you're in the fourth step, I, I expect daily writing. I have all my sponsees send me their writing. I want to see it. I don't have to comment on it every day, but I want to see it. So I can see the pattern, so if there's something missing, I can see it. And I can bring it back and say, hey, can we walk right on this area? You know, resentment is the way most of us have reacted to the past. It's reliving a past experience again and again in our lives. The more often you have relieved an event or gotten into it, you should have, and if only then the significant the event probably is. Write about each incident in your life, which you have had to relive in your head at some later date. 
That includes both good and bad experience. Write about past actions that should change if you had the opportunity. Write about any events in your life you feel have caused a change in you. Write down a, de a definition, at least three cents on each of the following that have applied to people, places, and things in ideals. First issue is, by the time you get here, you're already in the pattern. You already understand the writing. You've under, you already know the events that reoccur in your mind. You already wrote on them. This is just getting more in depth. I tell most of my sponsees, they already have their fourth step already written by the time they get here. It's just time for them to get more in depth with it, is to get to a deeper level, is to start seeing the patterns. You already wrote a lot on fear by the time you get here. You wrote on control. You wrote on these issues that you're going to go over here. Now you're just getting deeper. They have a list to start with. It doesn't see that list cannot grow. Remember, this is a journey. This is not, and take me, it is not a hard thing to do. It is a simple thing. It's a journey. I like to view it like cleaning my basement out. What do you do when you go clean whatever you got that spot in your house? If you don't have a basement, you have a garage. If you don't have a garage, you got a, a room somewhere, you got drawers. You ever got a junk drawer? What does it look like after a while? And you don't even know what's in it. My wife tells me, go to the basement, we're gonna find a, a, a gold chest of tools that I bought in over the years. Because <laughs> if I can't find a tool, I go out to the store and buy another one. So I got sets of socket sets, okay? <laughs> Screwdrivers everywhere. She said, if you ever go through the basement totally, who can have a lot of tools? I said, so that's what we're doing. We're going through the inventory of everything that we own. Everything that lives within us, we're going through. I like to look at it that way because it's a lot simpler for me. To find out what I have, what I need to get rid of, what I need to put in the garbage can and throw it out. Let the trash man take it, okay? Lately, I'm just throwing stuff away as I'm going through stuff. I don't need it. Why keep it? But here we're going through them things we've been writing about for a, a long time by the time we get here. I tell you, have five books when you're writing your fourth step. If you need a sixth book, get it. All right? You can bounce from book to book on these topics. When you're looking at, uh, you know, write a dictionary definition, at least three sentences of each of the following as they are applied to people, places, and things, and ideals. Self-pity. Anybody know self-pity here? Huh? Some people told me about self-pity here already. So they got stuff to write on, right? At least three sentences, but I guarantee it'll be a lot more. It can be paragraphs. It can be pages. Seriously, they want a starting point, that's all. Anger, I could write in the Sacopedia, uh, Brittany on them with anger, okay? 
for me. I got patterns of anger that have just caused problems throughout my life. You know, pride. You have false pride and you have pride. Two different types of pride. If you're not proud of who you are, there's issues. You should be proud of who you are when you get through this. You sh should be proud of the person that you find inside. What I've been saying, let the little girl out to play, let the little boy out to play. Get him out of the prison cell. You trapped him too long. And that's what we're doing here. When you think about contempt, I don't, it's a word I don't uh, have problems with. I don't write on contempt because I haven't had them issues. You know, I wrote three sentences on a book. I looked at the dictionary and looked at what it meant and stuff, and I wrote three sentences. I still wrote on it, hatred. Hatred is a deep word, folks. To say I hate something is intense. It's really intense. That's so deep-seated resentment, because that's what it truly is, deep-seated resentment that you hate. I hate it in my life. I hated my father. I hated that man. And there's many of that hate your parents, hate what's happened to you, hate, hated spouses, hated old schoolmates that, that ridiculed you, felt hopeless. These are things we write about. You gotta, you, you can't go on hating. Hate is an intense word that needs to be squashed in our lives. We gotta let go of it. We can't have it, it, it's, it will devour us. You know, I mean later in the sessions I'll go through on why it devours us. At this moment I just want the, the understanding it will devour us. When you think about jealousy, jealousy is another deep word that will devour us. Envying, envying what someone else has, that it destroys your life. It stops you from having communication with people. I've been, I've, I've been to some of the richest places in the United States. I get to enjoy them, they're not mine. I have no jealousy that people own them. I've been in Beverly Hills and been in their big mansions. I've been up in Cape Cod and been in their big mansions. I got a place in Cape Cod I can go to every year if I want. I don't have to pay a penny. I'm right on, the, on what they call the mill pond, the second house ever built on Cape Cod, but they built onto it every 100 years. It looks like a, a mat, I mean, it looks like the Ponderosa, if anyone ever saw the show Bonanza. It looks like the Ponderosa on the bay. A private little spot where you can take your boat out and take it out to the ocean and get onto a private beach. I enjoy them things when I go there. I enjoy the man's boat and fish with him. We call him Captain Mike. I enjoy what he owns. I won't want the responsibility for what he owns. I won't have to pay, I won't want to pay the taxes for what he owns. So I get to enjoy it. I overlooked uh, Lake Superior in Duluth, Minnesota. 
enjoyed a, a, a suite overlooking the lake. A gorgeous suite. When the, when, the, when the sun came out, I could look out over the lake and see the sun rising. I enjoyed those moments. I don't need them, but I enjoy them when I have the opportunity. I, didn't, I couldn't do that before I got here because I was being devoured inside. I had jealousies. I had, I had that word of envy. Envy only destroys me. I had to write on that word. You know, when you think about greed, people get so caught up on greed that they never have freedom. You see people chasing the dollar, the euro, whatever you want to call it, okay, the money, and you see their life is controlled by it. They don't have time to spend with their family. They don't have time to spend with friends. I think the greatest opportunity we found in NA is going out together, spending time in restaurants or diners. We got diners over in the United States. But enjoying one another instead. Not being controlled, having to chase the dollar, chase the money. Not having to chase the wealth. We enjoy one another here. That's an opportunity, that's an asset to enjoy one another. Selfishness. These are all powerful words, folks, but every one of these words destroys you. We're here to do inventory on them. We're here to talk about them. We're here to see how they control our lives and how we can deal with them. It's, we're writing that down. We're looking for the patterns in our life. Anger is the way most of us have reacted to the present. It is our reaction and denial of reality. Can't control it. Write about things you made you angry, irritate you, or make you feel uncomfortable. What are the buttons? How do they get pushed? Or are there any key words, phrases, actions, or situations which are sure to set you off? The following is a list of some of the things you often react to with anger. Some of these apply and you and some will not. Use this list as a starting point and to get thinking in terms of anger. They want to get you thinking of terms of anger. How do you like that that sentence? You know, what do they are? Being criticized, being contradicted, being ignored, being kidded. I hate being kidded. I hated that since I'm a child. I hated being ridiculed. It made me feel little. Maybe that's why I don't like that little HP, huh? Practical jokes. People that play practical jokes on people and laugh about them. Doesn't feel good. Being laughed at, I'd rather laugh with you than laugh at you. Laughing at you is, is the same thing as being ridiculed. Being gossiped about or talked about. I like covering this one, being gossiped about. Why? Because we need to avoid that at all costs in Narcotics Anonymous. The damage that's done by gossip in Narcotics Anonymous devastates us, divides us, separates us. 
It's done that our whole lives, though. I call it Peyton Place. I call it high school stuff. If I can't be direct with you and I can't tell you what I see and I can't tell you what I believe in, I'm doing you a disservice. But that's one that we need to write about and look at. Are we participating in that? Is, does it live within us? How does it affect us if it's happening? Being called names, stupid, fat, skinny, asshole, bastard, bitch, whore, etc. Being touched. Some people don't like being touched. And they were touchy, aren't we? Like rubbing you down, like making you feel uncomfortable, huh? Like that intimacy, getting close. When you first get here, the hardest thing to do is receive a hug, right? We've got to work through that. We've got to look at what it does to us, what's happening inside of us. Joseph taught me that one. Being, stu being stood too close to. That's space, they call it, right? You're in my space. I could give a damn. I'm always in people's space. I like to be close and intimate. But if you don't like being close and you're backing away, it's usually there's something going on inside that you need to look at. And that's what it's talking about, looking at that part. You know, being praised. I, I call it being edified. I believe we should edify one another in the program Narcotics Anonymous. Some people can't take being praised. It's hard in NA because we're taught not to stand out, aren't we? We start to be one. But I like edifying somebody. I like building that person up so when someone meets them, they're going to listen. They're going to open their minds to it. I like to talk about people and say, hey, you've got to meet this person. This person knows what they're talking about. So when you meet them, your minds are open. But we have a hard time taking that here. We've probably had a hard time our whole lives accepting it. I know what it, I used to think, what do they want from me, right? What do they want? Why are, they, why are they saying good things about me? Right? How dare they? I know they're lying. See, I got a lot to write about, don't I? I look at these things. Write about each incident in your life when you have reacted automatically or for no apparent reason. Relate to each incident, people, places, and things, and ideals. This is what we've been doing all along. Except different wording we use for it. And then we get into the fear. That's the deep one, fear. Fear is the way we have reacted to the future. It's our response to the unknown, a fantasy to reserve. Write at least three cents on each of the fears, past, present, especially those you think are irritable, or those who think no longer bother you. The following is a list of fears, and, the, and it's a long list, okay? Some of these will apply to you and some will not. Use this list as a starting point and get to thinking in terms of fear. See, all the list there is to get you thinking in that area. Something to trigger you, to trigger your subconsciousness to start writing about it. That's what it's there for. I mean, I'm the only, I, I believe I wrote on every one of them, though. I don't think I missed one in the writing. 
I'm there trying to trigger what's going on with me. I'm trying to figure out what my makeup is. This ain't about, you take notice what this is not about. Anyone been to prison here? It's not about you going to prison, is it? Ain't about the crime you committed, is it? Why not? What happened before you ended up in prison? You reacted to something, right? I always ended up there for physical violence. It wasn't the crime I committed. It was why was I reacting? Why did I fear? Because it went back to fear. I knew if a state trooper or a town cop pulled me over, I'm going to jail. I knew it before they pulled me over. I knew I'm going to punch him in the face. I knew this is what's going to happen. He's going to come up with authority. I got a problem with authority, right? He's going to talk arrogant to me, and I'm going to get out and hit him. That's just the way it went down every time. So, why did I have to react? First was fear. The authority was my father. And how dare this MFR talk to me in that manner? Who does he think he is? He don't know who I am. I got locked up in Atlanta, Georgia one time for calling the cops. Why did I even call them? Some guy in this Cadillac with horns on it, bull's horns, ran into my pickup truck. So I figured the best thing I could do was call the cop up. He shows up, he starts talking to this guy, and it seemed like his best friend. I said, fuck! Here I go again, I'm going to jail. I didn't do a thing wrong, but I knew I was going to jail the minute he started talking to this big fat guy with a cowboy hat on, on a suit, smoking a cigar, I knew I was going to jail. I reacted immediately. Authority. I was afraid. Right away the fear kicks in and then I get aggressive. The patterns. How I ended up in jail was the patterns. Not the actual crime, but the patterns that were developed through my life. I got to look at them. I'm not going to jail since I'm clean, so I'm out of jail for 40, over 43 years. I've been out of jail since August of 1979. I've not had to return there. I've not had to beat a cop up since I'm clean. How do you like that? That's pretty good. I got a pretty long record of that. So, but I'm looking at these patterns. I'm looking at what developed me as a human being. I'm doing this inventory and I'm going through it and all these things on fear, I went through. I was never afraid of jails. It says jails in there. Some people are deathly afraid of jail. I wasn't. I thought it was going home week. When, it, when, when the guard said, hey, I saved your cell for you, we kept it warm because they know I'm coming back. They knew I was coming back every time they let me out because that was my pattern. You know, so, I, you know, but when you look at all these things in here, you can write at least three sentences on each one. Sex.
oh boy, is an area in which most of us have problems. One of our old time uh, timers sometimes refers to us lovers in distress, and it's certainly true. Most of us carry burden of false shame, false guilt, because we have tried to live up to unrealistic of false moral code. Write about the perfect relationship, casual affair, lover or spouse. How you, your actual relationship have lived up and fallen short of their ideals. Write about your sexual fantasies and whatever or not you have acted out, out on them. Write at least three sentences about each of the following sex-related acts or desires that apply to you that have strong feelings about. Use this list as a starting point and, and add others you can think of. And it has a list here. I went through this in the step thing, this list. Took me a few weeks, a few months to do the fourth step with this. Because we start, we talk about adultery, okay? That's having uh, relationships outside of marriage. My first wife, I had many of them. All right, but I didn't consider it because I was a biker, so that didn't count. That's what my thinking went. That was a lifestyle. Incest. That bothers me. I had deep roots thinking about stuff like that. Machoism was not a problem. Okay, I hated macho men. That was a, that was a part of me having to show them. Prostitution. Anyone got a problem with that word? Prostitution doesn't mean you sold your body. It means you sold your fucking soul. Prostitution, your prostitution ideals. You don't have to be selling your body. You can prostitute your ideals even. You can negotiate it. Prostitution is a broad word. A lot of people don't realize that. That's why you need a great dictionary really to look it up. The first one's gonna be, the first one's gonna be about women selling their bodies. That's usually the first one, but there's men that sell their bodies. I looked at prostitution in a different light. I traded drugs for my favors. I traded drugs to get what I wanted. I gave protection to prostitutes. So they weren't beat up by pimps in my addiction. What did it make me? Oh, we had a nice word for that. I'm an enforcer. I'm the enforcer of the law of the streets. And you'll pay me because you're safe. See, we can change and manipulate the words, but it still all comes down to a form of prostitution. I had to write about these things. I had to look at my makeup, the way I thought, the way I felt. Animal sex. I don't know. There's some guys, though, that had that problem. I remember two eighth-grade boys in, in class. that they, they walked down the hall and saw you hear the ba-ba-ba-ba-ba because they got nailed for having sex with sheep. All right, the poor kids were humiliated. They were farm boys. But there's other guys that I've heard strange things about and four-step work with them about this stuff. There's strange things out there. Don't think that if you had sex with animals that you shouldn't talk about it. 
don't hide it. There are people who had sex with animals. All right, there has people that had fantasies. There's people that went to Mexico to watch the donkey shows. I didn't, I didn't take that. I didn't like that type of stuff in my life. But I know people that have. And uh, masturbation. I thought it was filthy. I wrote about that. Why did I think that way? I had to look at uh, sex aids. I didn't use them. There's people that buy sex toys. I never bought a sex toy. I never used them. But I, I had opinions on it. So I wrote about my opinions in that area. Rape. I don't believe in rape. So am I affected if someone rapes a girl? I've been raped. It's affected me. I wrote about it. I wrote about the horrors. I wrote about the filth that I felt like. I know what it is to be raped. I can talk with any girl if they've been raped because I've been raped. I know what I carried in my life over that. I know what I buried. I know the physical violence I acted out on. I know I hurt a lot of people over it. I wrote about it. Molestation. I was molested as a child. I know what it feels like, and I wrote a lot about that area because what it did to me, how it set patterns up in my life, how it set patterns up with women that I have had relationships with over the years. I know how it affected my, my sex life. I know what it did to me. And I know the filth I thought I lived in over it. I wrote about it. I needed to be set free. Racial sex. I had opinions, strong opinions on that at one time. I had to deal with that part of my life. I had to write about that part of my life. I had to not get caught up in that, in recovery. But I grew up in a time of error in the 60s where you had a lot of uh, upheaval. It affected me. I had to look at these part of my life. I can't hide it. Fetishes, group sex, I thought it was perfect in the 60s. But as I grew older, I didn't, I didn't, I, I start becoming judgmental in that area. I had to look at it. Abortion, do I have opinions on it? Yes. I look at my opinions, I look at what it does to me, I look at what it does and how it affects. I see a lot of damaged women over that area. I help them through them by guidance through the steps and becoming right with themselves. Drug abuse is a sect act. Many of us have done it. We need to look at it. We need to write about it. No longer carry the stigma with it. Sex relations of acts you feel are abnormal or unnatural. Many of them. I had to write about each one of them. I had to look at the damage I did over the years in these type of relationships throughout my life. I had to be set free. 
This is about being set free, the patterns of my life. Assets. Oh, this is the one no one wants to write about. They think they have none, but they have many. Yeah, many. You know what I like doing? Took this penguin from my grandson. We put it in the tulips. In the orange tulips. He loves the color orange. So we found a field of orange tulips and we put them in there and we took pictures and sent them to my grandson. Because he forgot to take his penguino with him to down to Disneyland and to the other park and to my granddaughter's world uh, competition. She's competing there in the finals today. And he was so devastated, I said, I'll take him with me. So now he can write a book about the travels of his penguino. Hopefully I had a bestseller, okay? <laughs> said he wants to do it in comic strips now. And some, some regular pictures of him. He said, but then he wants to write about it. He's only seven years old. He's gonna write his first kid's book about his penguino. What an asset to have a relationship with my grandson like that. To be able to really love and care for another individual. I didn't have that when I walked through the doors. I didn't know it lived within me. I start writing about assets. I have a good, compassionate heart. I learned about care. I love flowers. You know, I used to raise flowers and I never told anyone about them. I never told my friends. I never let them see my flowers. They were my mom's garden. It wasn't my mom's garden. My mom didn't grow a garden. I was the gardener. I had 149 different irises from around the world in my garden, and they were beautiful. But I won't tell you as my friend that. I was afraid what you call me. But I loved helping people. I loved taking care of the elderly when I was a child. I'd take care of their furnaces. I'd take care of their shoveling their snow. I'd put the salt out. You know, and I'd, I'd turn their soil over for them and plant their gardens for them. I'd rake the leaves in the fall, mow their lawns. They gave, me a, they gave me 10 cents. They didn't have to pay me a penny. I wanted to help. That's a part of me. It's an asset. Look at your assets, each one of you. Each one of you is half an asset. You have more than one. You got something you can build a foundation of your life for. Don't hold back in this inventory process. And then they got the, you know, about a list of there. You can look at it. And then you can answer the following questions in writing. How have you or how do you see yourself? What is your self-image? By this time, you should have a self-image. You should start seeing yourself. What do you want to be when you grow up? I ask that all the time to people. I'm still trying to figure it out. And I got a while because I'm going to live to at least 126 because I want to celebrate 100 years clean. I'm going to be the first addict celebrating 100 years clean. What do you want out of life? I'm still trying to figure that out. But it's all right. I got direction. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm here. I love being here. I love spending time with my grandchildren. I dedicate my life to them. I want to see them have the opportunities I've had. I want their, their futures to be broad, and I want them to be prosperous. I care about them more than anything in the world. They're important to me. I like when I get uh, people when they travel. 
they take their family to Italy or take the, or go to France or go to Greece and they're talking about and they're sending pictures of where they've been. They post them on Radio Free. I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing your travels. I enjoy being part of your lives. That's we didn't have that before we got here. Think about that. I met a young man back there a few years back and he was in a safe house up here while his family lived down south. Now he got a relationship with his family. Now he travels with his family. I've been on them journeys with him posting about it. That's an enjoyment. That's him sharing his, his life with us. We learn to do that here. We learn to share our lives with one another here. It's an asset. We build relationships here. I'm talking about true meaningful relationships that matter. We have matterful relationships. We learn to build it with, our, with ourselves, our sponsor, and God, and they get expanded into other areas. Take time out for one another, love one another, care for one another, build your assets. In this fourth step, you'll leave nothing out. If you do, they have a question at the end about that. If you left anything out of this on purpose, or if you left anything out that you didn't even recognize and now you recognize right about it. That opportunity is still there, folks. The fourth step is a journey. Don't make it a task, make it a journey. It's a great step. So break up, get with your groups, and let's do some meaningful work. I don't know what time, I don't know the schedule. What's the schedule? What time? What time is it? Huh? What? And right now it's 20 to 3? Okay, so we will change the dinner time. Yeah, we're going to uh, do the preparation a half an hour later, okay? So if, you're up, if your preparation was at 4.30, it's at 5 now, okay? So you're back here by 4. Okay? All right? How's that? Okay? Take it away in step five. Step uh, anybody got a step Herman? Yeah, I got that Okay. You're supposed to have an English one. I'm an addict, I'm Bill. And I said this would be special because I heard some people talking like the fourth and fifth are the same. They're not. All right. When you go over your fourth step, you go over that with your sponsor. Your fifth step is totally different. Uh, you know, 
when we admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. We've done our fourth step. We've gone over it with our sponsor. Our sponsor is going to guide us back through the fourth step, and we're going to look for the exact nature. We're going to look for our wrongs in there. We're going to look for the exact nature of them. The key word is exact nature. And if you, if you, it's, it's important to know that, the exact nature of our wrongs. You know, when you think about that, I mean, we're going to write, we, you know, we always start off with writing individually and write down your understanding of each word. You look up in a good dictionary, write down the dictionary, the same thing, wait 24 hours, and you write what you've learned from that process. And then we break down the step down to the following parts. We omit it. Starts inclusive again. We omit it. What is omit it to you? Anybody know what it means? Admit it is mean I accept, is what I heard. I accept it. I've accepted it. I've admitted it. It's mine. All right? I own it. There's no more justification, rationalization of all sorts of nonsense. Right? And that's the important issue here, is understanding the words. And we do after we admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being. To God, to ourselves, another human being. That human being is your sponsor. Your sponsor is that important part of this step with you. The important part of all the steps is your sponsor. You're working with another human being to get you to this point. <laughs> You're putting that trust, you're putting faith, you're building that relationship. Here's them three relationships I talk about. Yourself, God, and your sponsor. Right from the start. Them are the three relationships you build. And here you're back with that, them three relationships. It's that important. But the exact nature, I mean, it's so powerful. And then it says, because that's the next word, the exact nature. The next line is the exact nature. So, <coughs> of our wrongs is the last line. You're going to break them down. You're going to look at each part. You're going to write on each part what it means. You're going to go over that with your sponsor. What it actually means. And then you're going to write what each part means to you, okay? And uh, I think this section has a lot more writing in it. Yeah, I'll Okay. <laughs> uh, you're going to go through your step four with a fine-tooth comb. Anyone ever have a fine-tooth comb? A lot of girls have them. They're real... A fine-tooth a fine comb. You ever use a comb for your hair? A fine-tooth one. All right? Nothing escaping. Right. Yep. Yes. Yes, you're going to go through this with a fine-tooth comb. It's a, it, this is a 
not really, but that's what the way you're going to look. When you go through your hair with a fine-tooth comb, there's nothing escaping. All right? Huh? Yeah, you understand, right? Yep. Right. It's the uh, same thing, okay? The idea was to look at it as if you were studying a subject. You are studying a subject here. You, it is like looking in from the outside. Take each piece of writing, individual, read it. Each piece of writing you've done in your fourth step, you're going to read it. And that's what it's, it talks about. As you're doing this here, you're going to think about it, write it again with no justification, rationalization. Look at your motives and action. Ask yourself, where does this stem from? What is it based in? What happened, how you felt, and what you wanted to achieve by these actions. The exact nature of your wrongs is the motivator. You know, what was my exact nature of my wrong in Atlanta, Georgia? I told you about getting arrested there, right? Oh, with the cops. Yeah. My exact nature of my wrong was my fear. My fear. Didn't matter what I did after that. The exact nature was the fear. Is what it was. It was fear. I reacted out of fear. So I'm writing the exact nature of it was the fear. I'm going through each issue in my life, and you know most of my issues are based in fear. Most tough guys' are, actions are based in fear. Most tough guys become who they are because of fear. So I'm writing about this fear in these areas of my life as I'm going through my fourth step. All my relationships, all the issues I had were based in fear, based in abandonment issues. But what was it? Fear of being abandoned, right? Still fear of being abandoned as I'm going through my fourth step. I'm looking at these issues, and I'm, I want to omit the exact nature of what happened, why it happened, and how it controlled my life. And, you know, search out feelings of fear, rejection, low esteem, and low self-worth. Observe the byproducts of the rebellion, the anger, etc., all based in total self-centeredism. You know, when I'm looking at this thing, I'm, I'm going through it, each incident from a child up. I was already hiding as a child. I was, ever, I was already becoming deceptive. You know, we learn our traits as a child. You know, and uh, this fourth step has all them patterns in it as I go through it. I'm looking for the patterns. I'm looking for the exact nature of these patterns, where they came from, what happened, why I reacted the way I reacted throughout my life. <coughs> How'd I end up the way I was at the end of my addiction? How'd I end up broken? How'd I end up crying in tears like a little baby? Shattered. I don't want to return there. 
I do not want to return to active addiction ever again. Desperation is what got me here. What keeps me here is this type of work. Getting to know who I am, what motivated me, why I reacted to others. You know, some people say, you know, you sit here, you're getting tired, you're getting tired, you're breaking down. It's a good opportunity to write. It's a good opportunity to see yourself for what's going on inside yourself. It's a good opportunity to care for another individual and overcome the fear. Right here this weekend is a great opportunity for us to grow together, for us to heal one another, to allow God into this experience here and emit the exact nature. You can do that in glimpses here. You can do it in glimpses. You know, and, and uh, these are things that I think about as I go through all that. Search out the feelings of fear, rejection, low self-esteem. I went through all that stuff. As a child, I was, I was, I had, I had low self-esteem. I was rejected. I was abandoned. And what did it create? But it all started with that need to be loved. A need for love and didn't receive it. And getting angry because of it. But where'd the anger come from? It came from a need that was not being fulfilled. And I developed these patterns. I developed patterns throughout my life. You know, and uh, this is like when we're going over this here, it says, uh, it is studying our inventory that we're able to find out why we do what we do. That's what I'm talking about. Why do we do what we do? Why did I become the individual? I showed a couple pictures of where I came from to a few people here. Why did I become that individual? You know what that did? You know what that individual did? So did the Vikings did, right? That individual, what it did, it kept everybody away from me, didn't it? You look at them individuals and you say they, they're, they're, they look like they're nasty, tough individuals. You don't want to get near them. So it kept you away from harming me. That's what it did. It gave me a camaraderie with animals, is what it did. But how did I get there? Because I started rejecting others. I, didn't, I wanted to feel safe. I wanted a harbor, a safe harbor. But yet it didn't give me that. Yet it took me to my last night using, where I hit, hit, hit my bottom. I ended up in that desperation. See, and I'm writing about these patterns as I'm going through this. I'm going back through it. I'm rewriting. See, it's telling me I'm rewriting. See, people think you're going over your fifth. When you do your fifth step, you're going over your fourth. No, you're rewriting. That's what it told us there. And that's what I'm saying when we're thinking about it, we're talking about it. We're rewriting stuff out of our fourth step, and we're finding them patterns, and we're able to admit this is us. This exact nature of my wrongs, and I'm talking with my sponsor, and I'm inviting God in. I uh, know who God is by now. God has taken on meaning. And I'm inviting the presence of God into my life with my sponsor. And we are going to go through this process. And 
My sponsor's going to share things with me. I'm going to share things with him. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of crying in this sometimes, okay? There's a lot of camaraderie. All the things I seek in my life, and I'm having it with my sponsor and with the presence of a spiritual God in, my, in our midst with us. I do the inviting through prayer. Where did I learn how to pray? Here. I learned how to pray in Narcotics Anonymous, simple prayers, redundant prayers. The third step prayer, there's two different third step prayers. One in the gray book that's different than the one in the, in the baby blue. Two different ones. So I use them sometimes simultaneously, sometimes when I'm reading each book. But I invite the presence of God in my life. I ask to be used as an instrument of God's will. I ask for my sponsor to be used as an instrument of God's will to guide me. And I ask for him to use me as an instrument to be able to see who I truly am. Not who I want to be, but who am I truly. You know, when I think about this stuff, you know, when we think about only by admitting our wrong behavior can we open the door which will change us for the better. Go over everything with your sponsor. If you don't understand or are confused, ring your sponsor for guidance. See how this relationship has matured? We can call our sponsor for guidance now. It becomes a natural thing for us. It becomes a natural thing. My phone... I like having a phone in my pocket today. I don't have to be at home waiting for the phone to ring and have a 20-foot, five-foot-long cable in three, three or four different rooms in my house so I get through my whole house, get from one phone to the next and pick the other one up. You know, because uh, I used to get these real long cables. You know, and Grateful Dave and I could be on the phone at the same time that way when we're dealing with the issues of doing the book and stuff, you know, and, uh, fighting the court case and doing all these things. You know, but uh, the great asset I have, we have tools here. Your sponsor is the greatest tool. Your telephone's a tool. Computers can be tools. All right, your writing is, your, your, a pen is a tool. A notebook is a tool. Your guide is a tool. Your book is a tool. You have a lot of tools there. And so I have these relationships that are going to guide me. I'm going to go over that with my sponsor. I'm going to ask for guidance. Your sponsor will give you direction to discuss any area they feel needs more writing on. So it doesn't mean you're done writing when you're going over this with your sponsor. He may give you more writing or she may give you more writing. Because they see things that we don't see. They've gone over our fourth step. They've seen our fourth step. And they know if we miss something in there, we miss patterns in there. And they're going to talk about that with us. They're going to help us with that. And uh, writing step five inventory, write 10 examples of how you admitted to God. We're admitting to God. Exactly. Oh, he already knows it. It's us who have to admit it. Doesn't matter if my sponsor knows it by seeing my fourth step. God knows it because he can, he can see everything about me, I need to admit it. It's a, it's a humbling thing. It's humility. It's humbling myself before God. 
is humbling myself by inviting my sponsor in. This is an intimate thing we do. There's intimacy in the actual admitting our wrongs. And that's important. Can I finish? Can I finish? I will talk. Writing five examples of how you admit it to yourself. I have to admit, how, what are them examples? She just brought up the examples. When I am admitting to God, I am talking to God. I'm talking about, I gave you examples of what happened in Atlanta, Georgia, right? I ended up in jail for beating the cop up. What happened? That I beat the cop up. Not that I beat the cop up, it's the reaction, why it happened, because I was scared. The minute I saw him talking to that big fat guy with the big cowboy hat on and the cigar, I got afraid. I'm going to jail now. Real simple. I made sure I went to jail. See, I even made sure I got there. But why? I was afraid. It set off fear in my heart. Every time I dealt with these people, I end up in jail. But why? What did it take me back to? It took me back to my father. The beatings, everything, the, 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 the whole attitude. The whole, you ever get poked in your chest? Seriously, you ever have someone take their finger and just keep pointing you? That was my father who did that to me. And every time you get someone pointing their finger, I want to break their freaking finger off. I want to hurt them because it scares me. My father scared me. And every time I end up in this situation, something happens, and I'm in trouble. But the exact nature was the fear. The exact nature was fear. I'm admitting that fear to God. I'm inviting God in that relation. So I have had to build that relationship already. But I'm going through each incident with my mother, my, my sisters. I'm going through each incident about these, these issues. I'm taking my responsibility. It's taking responsibility is what this fifth step's about. It's about taking responsibility for your actions. And it's admitting it, and you're taking responsibility, and you're moving forward, and you're, you're, you're having a great experience. So I'm going to write each of these, them ten times I've had to admit to God in this, them examples. And they're all different traits. They're all different issues. With a woman, you know, I never ask a woman out in my life. I don't know your dating game stuff, folks. I know if a woman is looking for something, I know how to put myself in position for that to happen with ever asking her out. And we'll end up where, where I want to end up. I'm afraid of rejection. So if I ask her and she says no, how am I going to react? What's it going to do to me? It's going to take me down a rabbit hole. It's going to destroy me. Because that's what happened in my life. So I knew how to start a fight well. See, the way I used to, when I was in ninth grade before I, I walked out, I used to go to high school dances. You know what I'd do? I'd look at the girl I want to go out with that night. And I'd go beat her boyfriend up. 
That's what I did. Because she's going to say no. She's too gorgeous. She's too this. She's too that. And she already got a boyfriend. So I, I know how to engage. Fear set up the engagement. I end up with the girl later. All right? Without asking her out. I had a whole play. But the problem was my fear is what set up the whole scenario. I called myself a wallflower. I held up walls at dances. I don't know how to dance. I know some guys can, they can do the whole dance floor. They can look like a star. They can do the, the, the Jackson stuff. <laughs> you know, some, I don't know any of that stuff. Well, my dance is, you and me are going to fight tonight. I'm going to take your woman. That's where my head goes. That's an example of what would have set off with fear. Fear, and I didn't want to be rejected. Fear of rejection is why I could never ask a woman out. Never asked one out in my wife. Even my wife, she asked me out. Been married with her for, for about 40 years, but she asked me out. I mean, I, I couldn't even ask her out, okay? She jumped to the gun. You know, so God put her in my life, though. But you think about these things, and then we're going to write the exact nature of our wrongs again, what the patterns have become aware of over the years, write 10 examples. I'm going back through some of these examples I'm talking about. I'm going to have 10 of them written there. I'm going to do the most prevalent ones with my sponsor, okay? And my sponsor may want me to write more. He may go through it and say, hold it, you have a couple areas here that you're struggling in, and I want, I want you to do more in depth writing on that. And then uh, they went writing five examples of how you made it to another human being. That's my sponsor. I'm doing exactly what I did with myself, God, and now my sponsor. I'm including my sponsor. I'm going over the issues with him. I'm admitting it to him, my wrongs, the exact nature of my wrongs to my sponsor. And he's going to share usually with me some of his exact wrongs to give me examples sometimes. After admitting the exact nature of your wrongs, discuss your, with your sponsor how you feel after you're done. I'm going to tell you, there's relief there. For me, it was relief. It was not that there people talk about after doing the four-step, they had a, had a house taken off their shoulders. That didn't happen to me. It didn't happen in the fifth step. Accumulation of all the steps, the house got removed. But a little bit at a time was removed. I felt a little bit more secure. I felt a little bit more confident in myself. I felt that I could talk a little bit better. I would communicate a little bit better. And I felt I had better relationships in my life. That's how I felt after I was done. It helped me be more of a successful human being. I become a little bit more sane. And then you are now ready for step six. Your sponsor is giving you permission to go on to step six. So that's the step we're going over tonight. I want you to have fun with it. I want you to discuss it, talk about it, read about it. And I don't want to hear I haven't, I didn't do that step yet. You're ready on step one. You already know some of the, your, your, 
inventory. You already know some of the exact nature of your wrongs. Okay? I don't know what time it is. It's eight o'clock. For the still suffering addict, that no addict need die today. Today, what I hear in a mess of hope and promise of freedom, which is all our responsibility. God, God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom no difference. All right, we are on. I need a step, guide. All right, we are on step six and seven today. I want you to know we heard your uh, every report that's been given. We hear that when we're doing double steps, you're not getting to the second step the second step that we're doing. If there are, it's minimal. We heard that. So next year, I want you to understand, we're gonna have a five-day conference where we're gonna go through each step separately. We are already finding from the facility. No, we take the input, okay? And that's what we've hearing in the reports, that you're struggling getting through and not getting comprehensive of the full step when we do these double steps. We need to eliminate that. So we heard that and we already get one in conscience with the leadership and uh, we're gonna add other leadership in for next year. We're gonna have a, an English coordinator for England. Okay, we're gonna have a coordinator in America. All right, that's gonna be part of the, the team and you will deliver the message through the sponsorship family on what's expected, what we're gonna do when we get here, how it's gonna operate, and what we're leaving with. And, and we heard about the thing with the group leader, so keep good notes. So people will be able to read that. We're gonna have the, the, the recordings out so the sponsorship family can get them, whoever's been here can get them, and get that out to other people, all right? They'll know what they missed and they'll know they need to be here, all right? and enjoying our, our joy, our, our tears, and our embracement, and our growth. So thank you. We are on six, six step today. I am Bill, I'm an addict. And we were ready, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. The key word is entirely, folks. Doesn't say we pull up to the starting line and we don't start when the flag comes down, does it? When the checkered flag goes down and the Lamaze over here, guess what? The only thing gonna stop that race driver the blown engine or something like that. Their tranny goes. Their tranny goes are gonna get them back on the track. Even if an engine goes, if they got if they have a team that fast, that engine will be back in, they'll be back on the track. And that's how we operate. We're entirely ready. And we need to understand what entirely is. 
And uh, as we look at that, and, uh, you know, writing on the step, step six, everything in the first part is redundant. People say, why do you have redundancy? Because redundancy is what we do. Even the we changes as we grow through each step. And uh, so we write each individual word. We write your understanding of it. Look up each word in the dictionary. You're going back through it. People say, why do I got to do on that word again? Because that word could change in your mind. You could be spiritually uplifted where it takes on broader meaning. Uh, so the breakdown is we were. Were is past tense. It's a connecting. When we were, we're saying we were, we were prepared. All right, and it talks about entirely ready. It's everything about you. Every muscle in your body, every, every spirituality is prepared. You are prepared for this. That's what it's letting you know. You are prepared for this journey we're on. To have God, it's focusing on the word God. There is no little GP there. There is no little HP there. We are entirely we are turning it over. We're giving it this in more in-depth level of the third step. You're getting, you're, you're getting at a deeper level is what it's talking about. To remove all these defects. And that's because people think there's multiple defects when we wrote this. I believe there's one defect. And I'm going to get to that, why it's one defect. Everything else is a shortcoming of mine. Of character. It's talking about our character. So we have to understand what the word character means. Someone will say, you're a character. We're not talking about that. <laughs> Each of us has different personalities, okay? But our character is about what our, our spirit is. It's about what every part of our body encompasses, our brain, our spiritual being, is what we're talking about here, your character. You know what, uh, Write each what part means to you, writing the steps. Uh, write your definition of willingness, examples of how you apply it in your life. I know I'm going to have questions on that. Okay? And that's all right. But uh, our, we know what willing, what our, to be willing is. So willingness is we need examples of that and how we have examples of how we are prepared how we are taken forward in that, the definition of it, the examples, how we apply it in our life. Application is important is what it's focusing on, the application of it. We need to be, have the application. We need to write about that application. All right, it's gonna give you a better understanding of yourself in that. And uh, to write the daily inventory events where your defects controlled your life, it should be pretty easy for us, especially when we first walk in. We should be, they should be shouting out at us when we first walk through the doors. I've seen it in a few that were here, how their, their defects, you could see them, you could, you could and, and when you talk with them, you could feel it. You could feel the control of it. It's a spiritual, it's actually a negative spiritual power is what it's about that we're talking about here. It's a negative spiritual power. It's that lower power that, that we're removing from our lives here. 
we're not allowing it to control us any longer. You know, and, uh, what we're doing is we examine the part you play in the defeat. Remember that you are powerless over other people. Do not blame others for the way you feel or behave and free yourself of rationalizations and justifications. That's a lot there, folks. That's a lot. That's where freedom comes. I call this the freedom step. This is the, I mean, I told you the fourth step is where the hammer hits the road. Well, this is where you are set free. You already know yourself. You already gone before God, another human being, and yourself in these areas. You already went over these examples. You can see them. You know who you are now. Here is the part to turn it over. We're giving it up. We're surrendering it. The deeper level, the third step, as I say. A deeper level. And this is the spirituality of it all. You know, uh, we focus on the way you feel, fear, humiliation, rejection, not getting your own way, betrayal, violence, or, or hurt. Got a couple discussions here and uh, <coughs> tell me you gotta leave go of the control. It's not control. We have rules and regulations on how we operate here. The format's been set, all right? I'm just the messenger. That it, the format is being manipulated to try to fit what you want to do, I got to deliver it to you, that that's not how we operate in this, this your retreat. The tent had to be removed. All right, as simple as that. We have rules here and we're gonna follow the rules. We got starting times, we try to fit that to our ability on getting everyone into this room at the same time. We might start 10 minutes later, something like that, but we get it off the ground, all right? We know when, when it says quiet, we go quiet and we listen, we hear. That's part of what we do here. It's a practice that we're doing. It's a deeper level of surrender is what we're doing here, a deeper level of surrender. And by doing that, we get a lot more done. We got a more just program to, to walk through here. We got more unity when we leave here. We got more purpose. And we got more fulfilling lives. Everything benefits your life when you leave. And that's the whole purpose of this, to have your life benefited. You know, and, uh, but when you look at these type of things, examine the byproduct of these emotions. Using the list of defects from step four guide, you recognize how you are affected. The point of this step is to become aware of how our defects control us, usually hurting ourselves most of all. When we can recognize our patterns, we usually become sick of behavior, and I heard some people say, I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of living this way. They're looking for answers. Your mind is now opened up to here. Your conscience is open up to here. I had a friend one time, and he said when he come in to do the 11th step, he always said, take off your shoes, dust off your feet, you're walking on holy ground. Name was Mac McFadden. Died clean, died an ugly death of brain cancer. But he came to God and asked God for forgiveness and he did his whole 10th step with his spiritual leader and, and recollected his life that he had left to the spirit of God. All the rebellion was over for him. 
it took him a long time to get to that moment of time where he could touch reality and the spiritual world at the same time. But he brought blessing. And he left all his sponsees know before he left that he loved them and he cared and to go on with the path of the steps. You know, he was one of my best friends in recovery. You know, uh, you know, and then we become entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. After we recognize all these things, we're sick of it, we are ready. We're ready to move forward. And uh, make a list of your character defects and your willingness to allow God to remove them. So you look at your defect of character. What you feel is your sponsor will go over it with you. And then we'll go back to the list and say, okay, now is this really a defect or is it a shortcoming? We'll separate it because we're preparing for the seventh step next after this. And um, how do you allow God to remove your defects of character? Examples. It's going to be questions. I know that. I can tell you how I prepare myself, how I allow God to remove my defect of character. It's why I also have a tenth step. I don't like the second part of the tenth step. I'll talk about that when I go over it, though. I like the first part. I like the God conscious makes me aware before I act out on the defect, before I allow the shortcoming to dominate what I do. I don't like to go back and have to omit and promptly omit when I'm wrong. Okay? So um, go over everything with your sponsor. If you don't understand or are confused, ring your sponsor for guidance. That's something we all do on a regular basis. We'll learn that right from the start. People wonder why. Why we're given instructions to call three or more recovering addicts up daily. The word is recovering addicts. It, newcomers don't count in that three or more calls. Newcomers we do as part of our recovery to make them feel attached to us, that we care. But that three or more we're talking about is your support network that you establish. You have a support network, you know who to call, you know when you're struggling, that you, if, you're, if your sponsor's not answering the phone, he may be at work, leave a message that you need him to call you back or she needs to call you back when they get the free time to, get, to be able to get back to you. In the meantime, you have a checklist of who to call. If your sponsor's not available, he has set you up or she has set you up with a checklist of people to call. I was given, from Joseph, I was given Jimmy Kinnon, Greg Pierce, and uh, Jim Miller. They're all past. I'll use their full names. They're dead. They were my best friends in recovery. I had a list to call, and then I start building my list as I move forward in recovery. I got about uh, 50 people that are on that list that I can check down through today. All right? And I, and I use it daily. That's part of my surrender process, using that list of people. We humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Writing on step seven, we're doing the same thing. We're writing each word down. We're looking at, we got a good dictionary. We all know about the 24-hour that, that write what you have learned. We go over that with our sponsor. And then we break down the step to the following parts. We humbly. And then they got a question right behind it. How do we get humble? So it's a two-part question there. That's two-part. We humbly. How do we get humble? 
you know, and uh, it's important to know that, that we're talking about that humble, the, ex the expression of humility in our lives. We, we ask him. It's, we could change that to say we ask God. Okay? We ask God. But we have the word him there because that's what's in this step. Uh, to remove. You ever take the garbage out at night? Put it to the curb? You're removing it, right? You're removing it from your household. You're removing the garbage. I don't know when yours goes. Mine goes once a week. I'm removing the garbage that I've collected during that week. I'm putting it in the cans that where they need to be disposed, and then I put the can to the curb. The garbage man comes in the middle of the night, and I go out in the morning. My garbage cans are empty. I return them to the proper spot. They're being removed. The same thing with my defect of character. It's being removed on a daily basis. The same way. I'm going to God. I'm asking God. I'm humbly petitioning God to remove that defect of character from me that I may go forth today without fear. Yep, and uh, I'm going to write uh, 10 examples of humility in your daily life and how you practice faith. That's going to take a little work here. I plan that we will get through both steps. And why are we going to get both through steps today? Because we're going to time ourselves in group. We're going to time ourselves in group. We're going to have a format. Each leader will have a format today. They'll know how much time they have. They will spend that much time on that step. And then the, the next step will start. So there'll be a less long-windedness and more practicality on how we're going to operate today. So that's practice of faith. Okay? We need to practice that today. And that's the point we're at here, is practicing it. And we're going to look at them examples. Everyone should be able to come up with an example. I don't care if you're clean today. You should have an example in your life already. I don't want to hear any more from people. I'm not on that step yet. You're on every step. The minute you walk through the doors, you're on every step. You have them read to you daily at the meetings, don't you? You hear them. Repetitiveness. So you should be reflecting right from the start. How do we practice these principles in all our affairs? You hear that. So we're going to go through that today. We're going to write 10 examples of how you approach God with your problems, handling it over with humility. That's practice again. We're talking about practice here. We're talking about application. And I'm going to, in the group I'm in, I'm going to talk about that today because I'm in a group if you do need me in your group, send someone to, my, to the group. I'll be up front here, okay? If you need me, I will appoint someone else to keep running the group till I get back, okay? You have questions that need to be taken care of, and I know you might send a runner to here, okay? And I will make sure someone's appointed to keep our group running while I'm taking care of the other needs. I still need to do my part, okay? Because I did go around this weekend I did answer questions in group, and I think they've helped the groups. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, we read step six and seven from the basic text in the gray book. Okay, I don't know how much time you're going to have to do that. If you're going to do it, do it right from the start of the sixth step. Don't wait to get to the seventh step to this part. Have it done already. Okay, have someone in your group designated to read this steps from the baby blue, one from the gray book, okay? 
and then you go forth in both steps today. I would like you to understand, get that done right from the start. Don't wait to this part. And we write our daily inventory on how you reacted on shortcomings, what happened in your daily affairs. That's back to practical stuff we know right from the start here on how we work the steps. We're looking at this stuff. It's redundant again. It's a redundancy in our life, but it's a redundancy that sets us free. It's what gives us the practicality in my daily life when I'm running into, because I'm in multiple type of groups today. I'm not just in Narcotics Anonymous. I am in that part where Jimmy says, we become productive members of society. I'm involved in society as a whole today. I'm answering emails. I'm answering uh, things I got to get done when I get home. Communicating with radio shows that I got to get on when I get home, because the radio show wants me on. They want me dealing with certain issues. I'm taking care of that while I'm here. I multitask. I didn't have that when I got here. I couldn't multi. I'm, I was one focus train. I was on one track. Today I got multiple tracks. You know, and I know how to do it. Some woman told me about a week ago, you can't do it all. I said, I don't cut God short. What God wants done today will get done. And if I'm the vessel, I'm the vessel. Okay? And she looked at me and she said, what the hell did you just say? I says, if you want to do something, pick up your shovel and start working. I don't have time for this at this moment. I don't want to offend you, but roll up your sleeves, get your shovel, get your boots on, and get to work. All right? If you think you can help me, then what, what part do you want to do? I will give you that. Okay? And she looks at me. Oh, yeah, we'll, go, we'll give you a position. I know that's what you want. You're the community coordinator now of the organization. So we made her a thousand cards up and gave her a thousand cards now. We'll deal with her ego that way, okay? <laughs> but now she got to do the job. You know, uh, yeah, so that's something that we write about what we learn. We go everything with your sponsor, and now we go to group, okay? Persons, are there any questions before we go? What time is it? 9.35. What time do we, the, the lunch team got to be there? Well, the lunch team. Uh, what time is the lunch team got to be in cooking? Yeah. <laughs> you got, 12. You're saying at 12 they go in? Yeah. They're not going in before. What time is lunch? 12.30. So they got a half an hour to get lunch repaired. You hear yeah. that? Yeah, okay. So we're back here. What time is it? 9.35. 9.35, so you got the 10.35, uh, the switch, okay? If you need a break, take a five-minute break at that time, not before, okay? You sit in Bernard in your group, get the work done on step six, take your little break. The whole group goes on break together. You don't separate, okay? One goes to the bathroom, all are in the hallway. They don't have to go in the bathroom, okay? <laughs> All right, you don't, I don't have to be the baby. You don't have to change my diapers, okay? All right? Okay, guys, go forth and have fun. Silence for the still-suffering addict and reflect on how we carried the message to him that no addict need die today. 
her tonight without hearing the message of hope and promise of freedom from active addiction. God, grant us this serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We're on step seven, I mean eight and nine this session. Okay? Yes, eight and nine this session. Uh, you know, uh, some would like to say, by this point of time, by the time you approach this, the eighth step, you should have a forgiving heart. You should have forgiven yourself, first of all, by now, and you should have forgiven those you're gonna be putting on the list. Why would I say forgive them? Because some of these people harmed us in the past, but we're not looking at the harm they have done to us. We're looking at the harm we have done to them at this point. We have forgiven them. Why do I say that? Because there's a major person in my life that six months after I did my ninth step with him, he passed on, it was my father. And I was able to bury him and talk about a father's love for his son. I forgave him for all the abuse. I put him on my list because of the abuse I did through my addiction to him. And uh, it's important that you understand by now we should have a forgiving heart. Someone asked me about forget, what, where does forgiveness start? It starts at this point after your seventh step. You should have a forgiving heart. And that's the blessing of the program. We made a list of all persons we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Writing on step eight, we, we're going back to the same process we do every step. We're looking at each individual word. We write down your understanding of the word. We go through the B section. We look it up in a good dictionary, which I told you the two that I would use. Random House Collegiate, all right? or a Webster Collegiate Dictionary. All right, are the two I use. Uh, I compare them also, okay? I, so, and then I wait my 24 hours, I compare the two definitions, I see how mine different from the dictionary. Mine different and varied a lot of times because we also have a language in NA we use that are not in the dictionary. I, our, our we is a spiritual we in the fellowship. I got that definition in NA, not through a dictionary. Uh, you know, we go over what we have learned. We talk with our sponsor about it. We do all the dialogue, and then we go through the breakdown of the step to the following parts. We made a list. That's real simple, making a list, right? So we get a notebook. 
It's like we've been doing, got notebooks. We get a notebook and we make a list. And then it talks about, of all persons, all persons, everybody inclusive. We had harmed. So we know the people we're looking at are the ones that we harmed. To make amends to them all, amends. You have to understand what the word amends means. Amends is not sorry, folks. It's correcting. Understand people look at that word. I like to look at it as out in western United States, you've got huge cattle ranches. They got to mend the fences. Anybody in the farming world knows when you have fences, you have to constantly go back and mend them. They get damaged. And you've got to have herds of cattle getting out and disappearing on other people's land if you didn't mend the fences. But I like amend. Amend is to correct, is to repair. It's not walking up and saying, I'm sorry to somebody. Sorry is the lowest form of emotion, human emotion you can have for another human being, to feel sorry for them. I don't use the word sorry in my vocabulary. I correct it. But we're not correcting here. We're to understand what it means. You know, we've been, we talked about how do we reach the point of willingness for the eighth step? We talked about the willingness in the sixth and seventh step. You had some really good input here from the reports. All right, the, the groups had great discussion on it. That's how we reached the point to be prepared for this. We're ready for this step. The willingness is already there. We had the willingness when we walked through the doors of Narcotics Anonymous our first time and we wanted help. We had the willingness to walk through. We've been developing that. At this point, it should not be an issue. It should be you're prepared for it and you're ready. You wanna, you wanna correct, you wanna repair. You wanna look at these people and uh, I'd like to tell people, I got the endless list. I just got lists that just grow. Why? Because I don't know who I've harmed. Seriously, I hurt whole communities. I've done damage to whole communities by my actions. I don't know who I harmed. Some of my, uh, my uh, people, I just put whole counties on there. Carbon, Lehigh, Northampton County are my three main counties, and then other counties I entered into. But them three counties are on there in Monroe. I forgot about Monroe, because I spent a lot of time up there. And then I ventured into Schuylkill County. Then I ventured into Luzerne County. So I know I did damage in them counties when I was there, in my addiction. You know, and I don't know who I damaged there. So how do you... Re who do you put there? So I just put the county there, or I put the town there that I knew I damaged. And, uh, you know, but they're not specific names of people. If I can remember specific names of them people, I get them on the list. All right, but the first person on that list, you know who it is? Me. I did more damage to myself than any other human being could have done to me. 
When you go through all this here list and you're going through your steps, you realize the damage you did to yourself. That's a lot of damage. But you already started the process of repair by the changes you make, by the work you've done. But you're still on the list. You need to continue repairing that, that damage. So I'm on the list. And then you get the normal people on the list that you can recognize. How do you do this list, it says. How do you do it? How do you prepare yourself spiritually for this list? You already prepared yourself spiritually, folks. And you're going to look at your sixth and seventh step. You're going to look at your fifth step. You prepared spiritually already. How do you prepare yourself? Prayer, meditation, turning your life over to the care of God already, doing a deeper level of your third step through your sixth step. You've already done it. But if you can't see that that question and don't understand that question, you already started the process. You're prepared. You're prepared to move forward spiritually. If you're not prepared spiritually and you can't write them issues that I'm saying on your paper and pen at that point of time, you can't write how you have prepared yourself spiritually at that point. You need to go back into the other steps and do some mini-step work at that point. And that, that, that's not bad. Greg's always took me back there a lot. Okay? I, I do a lot of first three mini-steps. I, I take a lot of my sponsees back through first three mini-steps because they get to the point where they get, the, what do you want to call it, the complacent? And they'll call me up and their, their lives are a shamble and I'll say, well, let's go back through the first three steps. We can get through it in a couple weeks, okay? Doesn't have to be prolonged. And then you're ready to look at where you're at and, and correct it. All right? From the complacency, you allow things to happen. Let's correct it. That's making amends to herself again. And maybe anyone that they have to put on the new list that they damage with the complacency. You know, so this stuff is real simple. Right on the difference between intentional and unintentional harm. You've got to understand that. I did a lot of unintentional harm. Intentionally, took a lot for me to have that deep of resentment to intentionally hurt people. Took a lot. Was there intentional harm I did in my addiction? Yes. There was intentional harm being the lifestyle I lived. There was intentional harm uh, that I've done in prison cells also. There's people on that list that I'll never make direct amends to when we get to the ninth step because that will put me or them in harm's way. I'm not going to do that. But unintentional, I've done a lot of. Just by my very nature of what we talked about here, what we've been talking about since the first step, I've done unintentional harm to people. I did unintentional harm with my addiction to people. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. I always said I'm only hurting myself, but you know them people watched us. They were in pain, watching their child struggling. Loved ones watched us. How we rejected people because of our addiction. We harmed these people. People that tried to reach out, which I didn't see along the road, that tried to reach out and help me at points of time. I harmed them. I rejected them. They had to be put on this list through my unintentional harm. 
I had to look at all that stuff if I'm going to move forward in the steps. If I'm going to move, move, move forward and look at the damage I did, I did a lot of damage unintentionally. I can do a complete inventory, and I can tell you when people tried to step into my life and help me. I can tell you that I'm only here because God intervened in my life, but he used a, a woman uh, to intervene that, that, that night. She tried to help me for over two years before I made it here. She watched me in my final stages of my addiction destroying my life. I had her on that list, and her name was Ann Rose. She's the one that called me at 2 in the morning when I already made my decision to die. She's the one that did that. But it was two years of damaging her unintentionally as she tried to intervene in my life. For some reason, she cared about me. How do you care about someone that's preparing for death? I couldn't see that. Coming here, I learned that. My unintentional harm, she went on that list. You know, so, and then I got towns and communities and counties and all this type of stuff that I did. I got certain towns in the United States, New Orleans. I don't know the damage I did in New Orleans when I lived there for six months. California, I don't know the damage I did there when I was a youth living there from 14 to 17. I don't know the damage I did through my addiction. There's parts of my life that disappeared but I know where I was at, and I don't. And, I, and if I if I end up back in them areas, I'm gonna do some prayer meditation and see if there's people that I can reckon with that I harmed, and try to correct that. You know, and they'll get on the list. Once my mind recalls them, they'll be on my list. We're building a list, folks. But it takes us here doing this work along the road. I have my ex-wife on there. She was put on that list. I never looked at the damage she did to me. It didn't matter. It's what I do to her. That was her knight in shiny armor, except she didn't realize who she was marrying with an outlaw biker, that she would never come into my world. She was a kid. I stole her dreams. She got put on the list for what I did to her. Doesn't matter if she ever accepted it or not, she was on the list. My grandmother was put on that list. My dead grandfather was put on that list. They blamed me for killing him. Because when he woke up that morning, he saw his, his grandson's name, his name, William M. Allen, in the front of the paper. Been locked up for assault and battery attempt to murder on police officers. And he had a stroke. They blamed me for his death. He went on the list, though. I look at these type of people, how do you build the list? Go back through your fourth step. You can, you can see who you damaged, who you, who you affected by your behavior. There's hope, though. We move into the ninth step. Yeah, right? But right here, you write a list of all persons you have harmed, beginning with yourself. See, it says right there, beginning with yourself. That's what I like. I said, I told you the first one on there is me. Now it's written there. 
uh, you know, you already written how you affected, you know, the, the people that you intentionally or unintentionally harmed, how you affected them and your relationship with them. You're taking a look at it. And then you're getting them on the list. And here you're, you know, with yourself, write your reasons for having that person on the list, what harm you have done, and was it intentional or unintentional, also consider the consequence of your actions in, your, in their life. What were the consequences of the damage that was done? Don't justify or rationalize your way out of including anyone. In other words, their name, action, effect on them, effect on you. See, that got to be written in there when you put them on the list. You have these things you got to write also. It ain't just putting them on the list here. It's writing these things. Uh, did you leave anyone off the li list intentionally or unintentionally? Go over everything with your sponsor. Your sponsor will go over that stuff with you. That's your eight-step work. And when you discuss it, you're going to be discussing these type of issues, okay? And, then, and step nine, we made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. There's the key at the end. Except when to do so would injure them or others. You have to look at that. Remember I said about I, there's certain people I'll never be able to make direct amends to because I bring injury to them or I bring injuries to others. And we were writing on step nine, and we're going back to the whole process again, look at each word individually, write down your understanding of each word. We look it up in the word in the good dictionary, write down the dictionary's definition, wait 24 hours and compare the two definitions and see how yours differ from the dictionary. Write what you have learned, okay? And then you got your breakdown, the following parts we made, okay? We made, what does made mean? Made is past tense. We made direct amends. It's telling us what we're, it doesn't say we make direct amends, it says we made direct amends, okay? To such people, whenever possible, we write about these senses, except when to do so would injure them or others. So we write about this stuff. Can we have quiet? If you want to come up and speak about the ninth step, I'll gladly sit down. We go over this list why you feel prepared to work step nine. Why do you feel you're prepared? Your sponsor will go over that with you. We'll talk about it. We'll go through it. We'll make sure you're ready to go out and do your, your inventory. You're, you're actually making these amends. We decide which amends will be direct and will be indirect. The things to consider what effect the direct amends will have on them. Do the right we do not have the right to cause them more harm in our attempt to relieve from our own guilt, shame, or remorse. An indirect amend may be more appropriate. I can, people like examples. My grandmother, I never made a direct amends to. My grandmother was in the weaning years of her life. What I did is I gave her time. I went and spent time with her. I took my, my children and my wife there, 
and we spent our Sunday afternoons with her, is what I did. That was the commitment of an amends to her. I went to my grandfather's grave, and I got, I got on my knees, and I shared that I harmed him. What part am I accountable for? And hopefully, wherever he's at, he can receive that. And I ripped it up and burned it and let it go. But these type of people, you know, I could look at them whole people. Before making amends, go over everything with your sponsor. If you're unsure, ask your sponsor for help. But this list of making amends, like I said, I've, I've committed myself to helping society outside of NA even. That's part of my amends process. My life is dedicated and committed to making amends by helping. My first commitment is through Narcotics Anonymous, helping addicts wherever they're at in the world. Helping them, guide them, be awake if they phone me at 3 in the morning to pick the phone up. Not to be concerned about my self-centered self and my I'm going to be tired. I pick up the phone. My wife goes to me sometimes, why don't you turn the phone off? Because I never know who needs help. And she understands. She said, one day you're going to die because of lack of sleep. I said, I don't think I'll die because of lack of sleep. I'll think I'll die if I don't do what I need to do. All right? I got a, I got a good heart. That's all that matters. I got a good set of lungs. So I'm in good shape there. Most of my organs, I only got one organ I lost, and that's your, uh, what is that? The gallbladder. I lost my gallbladder, so everything else is great, so I'm in good shape. The only other damage I did to my body is through because I, I keep wanting to be competitive in sports. I don't, I don't recognize my age, and I'm willing to get on the mat and wrestle yet. I have no problem with that. But I'm helping kids most of the time. I'm helping young athletes. I'm helping young men be, be prepared for competition. And if anyone can harm them more than anyone, it's me anyway. All right? So they're going to, by wrestling me, they're going to go through their most grueling match. I got no problem. That's part of my commitment to giving back, though. Talking to kids about their, what are their dreams, finding out what they want in life, helping them get to that point. I'm dedicated to helping kids. I'm giving back in society. That's part of my indirect amends for these communities that I affected, is helping these kids, talking with their parents about their, what they expect from their kids' dreams, looking at the kids and talking to them about their dreams, and then creating a roadmap for them to achieve it. That's real important to me. It's so important to me. Well, I had took time out yesterday to watch my granddaughter's team win their a world championship in competition cheer. It's important that I give to my grandchildren. I give to them like my grandparents never gave to me. That's part of my amends to society is making sure my grandchildren have that grandfather that we talk about or that father image that we talk about that we want it. That's part of my giving back that they're not going to be damaged the way I was damaged. Anything I can do to help society as a whole, I'm going to do. I made a commitment to that. 
part and process of my life. I made a commitment to this fellowship to help addicts around the world wherever they're calling to cry out for help. That's part of my amends process. My amends process, I've taken people off this list. I've been rejected by my ex-wife. She called the police up on me. I walked away. She called me a Bible thumper. I didn't even read a Bible at this point. I had a basic text. All right? It didn't matter what she called me. The matter was that I owed her direct amends by communicating with her and letting her know I've harmed her and there's probably no way I can correct the damage. But if there's any way that she feels I owe her any more, I'm there. She closed the door in my face, called the police and said I was harassing her. The police stopped me and I looked at them, I talked to them, I says, and, and they says, well, we wouldn't call that harassment, okay? So thank you for making your attempt to correct it because most men would never do that. But I owed that. I owed that because I destroyed that young woman's life. I destroyed it with my lifestyle. I owed it to my family to change my behavior, to change my behavior, become a productive member of society. That's an amend to becoming a productive member of society. Your list will be your list, not mine. You'll figure out with your sponsorship who belongs on the list. You'll be the one that's gonna make the amends and you and your sponsor will make that decision how the amends is made. It will be intentional, you'll do it directly or indirectly, but you'll make that decision when you go through these here writings that it's talking about here. There's writings to do on that before you go out and make amends. There's discussion to have with your sponsor. That's how important these relationships are that we create here. The importance of these relationships is that important because when you get to this step, this is forgiving, you forgot, you've forgiven yourself, you've forgiven others, and you're gonna go into correct the mode, and you're gonna do everything you can do to correct anything that you can see that you've done, and that's a lifetime. I don't know how old you are. If you're coming in at 65, it's a long lifetime. If you're coming in at 80, it's a long lifetime. If you're coming in at 21, it might be a little shorter. If you're coming in at 15, it's a little shorter. All right? And I'll never tell you, I'll never do damage like this that I saw happen. And I've seen it happen in NA, which appalls me. When you say to a young person, boy, I wish I was your age. You got it so lucky by getting, no, you don't know the horror they already lived in. I don't care what your age is. Welcome home. I'm not going to separate addicts because I don't know the pain they're in, but there, a lot of them are in immense pain. I was immense pain if I could. If I walked in when I was 12, I was already in immense pain. How dare you insult a young person when they walk through the doors of Narcotics Anonymous? I saw it in the other fellowship when I got paroled there and I was appalled the way they treated us. I was told they drank, I, they spilled more than I drank and I said, you MFers don't know how much I drank. I've been drinking since I'm five. I drank a bottle of Jack Daniels for breakfast, a case of Heineken's. I shot a fucking quarter ounce of speed in my freaking veins, and then I went on partying all day. You stupid fucker. How dare you? Them insults. 
We have damage we do in NA by what we say, how we say it to people. We need to make everybody feel welcome here. Anybody I damaged in NA was put on that list also. I've corrected some of them things because of my mouth, because of my incorrectiveness, because of my indecisions and not knowing. I'm a different human being today than I ever been. But things were said early on, I've had to correct them things. I need to take my inventory on my fellowship also on what I've done. I need to correct them things. Thank you. And break into your groups and go have fun doing this work. And, and what time is it? What time is it, Herman? Huh? 2.40. 2.40. And dinner's at... We'll open up with a moment of silence for the still-suffering addict and reflect on how we carry the message to them, regardless if they be in and out of this room. God, God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can't put them to. Uh, first, I want to thank everyone, okay? That's my first thing I want to do. I want to thank the team, each team that's doing the work here. Uh, you're doing a great job, okay? Uh, things, there are going to be things adjusted for next year. But I want to thank everyone first. Uh, you work together well. And uh, that needs to be acknowledged. So give yourself a hand first, okay, guys? And another thing is Matt and I had a discussion about the excitement. The, the, the thirst for knowledge here, the questions that you've come up with, that's exciting. It's exciting for them to go home with. It's exciting to be involved with that, that energy that's been here. And this is only the beginning. I said that I don't know how many years ago when I came over for the first old school weekend. This is the beginning. That has been growing dramatically. Well, this is going to keep growing. We've had so much exciting stuff that uh, it amazes me when we focus on the principles on what we can accomplish together. And that's what's been happening. We are focusing on the principles. We're focusing on carrying the message. And yes, we're going to go through growing pains. Through them growing pains, we're going to grow. I'm going to let you know next year, every, what is that, second Sunday of the month? Yeah. Every second Sunday of the month at 12 noon our time, 5 o'clock 
English time, 6 o'clock here. We're going to continue our workshops, but we're going to go through the traditions this year. Starting June, we will be going through the traditions. So I expect everyone to be on there because we're going to learn the principles of the traditions and how they apply to our commitment to Narcotics Anonymous and the growth of Narcotics Anonymous, working together as a unit. So we're going to do that. Now we're going to go over to 10th step. Tomorrow morning we're doing the 11th, and right after lunch tomorrow we're doing the 12th. And after that, every team will be having a chore to finish before we leave here. We will leave all together tomorrow. So I want to thank you for that. It's been a great weekend so far, and it's not over yet. And it's just the beginning. <laughs> so we are on the 10th step. I'm an addict that I'm built. Yeah. And uh, it talks about we continue to take personal inventory, and we were wrong, promptly admitted it. I shared this earlier. I don't like the second part. I don't like to promptly admit when I'm wrong. So how do you avoid it? Don't be wrong. <laughs> but we're all imperfect, so there's times I have to do that. I like to be able to catch it before it happens, though. All right? I'm, I'm getting a little bit better at it. But I hate when my wife and I have these little disputes, and I got to look at her in the eye and say, I'm wrong. You're right. Okay? And then she'll look, what are we wrong for? I said, I didn't say it yet, okay? <laughs> but what I was thinking, and you saw my eyes, you knew what I was going to say. I'm wrong, okay? Simple. And you're right. I, I wouldn't have the right to say what I was going to say to you. And she thanks me. That's the part that I, I, if I got to do it, I'd like to catch it before it comes out of my mouth, before the damage happens. All right, so doesn't always happen though. But I'm pretty good at it. I, I can't last an hour even without promptly admitting. I can't carry it for days on day's end anymore. I can't carry it for 24 hours because I won't sleep. I have enough problems sleeping to start with, but then I really won't sleep. Then it's going to eat my stomach up, and then I'm getting sick. I get sick on it, so I don't like it. So. We're going to go through the same process every time we go into a step. It's going to say, take each word individually. Write down your understanding. We all know this stuff. So, you know the whole process there. I'm going to get to the step breakdown instead of E. Break the step down in the following parts. We continued. It means we, exclusively all of us, continued. Continued means we, we're, we're being, it's a journey. We're continuing this journey on what we're doing here. We continue. Remember in the fourth step, you did an inventory, right? It's all inventory work right from the start. Each, we're continuing this inventory, basically. Um, you take a personal inventory. You're not taking anybody else's. You're taking your own. All right? I know we like talk. You ever get in the gossip train in N.A.? Call someone up and complain about someone else? If you got a good sponsor, they're going to stop you and tell you, I can't help that person. 
had a good sponsor. I can't help that person. All right? I got you on the phone. What part did you play in it? I won't listen about anybody else. Not on the phone. They're not asking him for help. I'm asking for help. He never allowed me once to complain about another. The minute I start, he stops it. And every sponsor I've had have throughout my recovery has stopped me from complaining about another human being. He wants to know my part. He said it takes two. What's happening here? Let's look at your part and see what we can resolve. And then it always seems I'm doing the second part of the tenth step. Every time we do this, I'm doing the second part of the tenth step anyway. For some reason, I'm admitting I'm wrong. How does this work? Seriously, how does this work that this guy just did this to me and I'm the one saying I'm wrong? I only own my own part. They got to live with themselves. I have no control over them. Let them run into the brick wall. I don't got to run in there with them. Right? That's why we're going on tradition so we know what it is. The operate as a group. So we know what the principles are. So we know what unity means. But, you know, every time I do this here with my sponsor, he don't allow it to continue. Oh, and then we start off with, uh, and when we were wrong promptly, uh, when we were wrong, what's that mean, when we were wrong? It's past tense. Well, when we were wrong past tense promptly admitted it you know the minute I'm wrong it's in past did you know that one second later it's in the past that's why it's written that way because once it's out of my mouth it's past now I got corrective mechanisms that I need to take action I got to take an action now it doesn't say I'm sorry it says, I admitted, promptly admitted that I was wrong. I made a mistake. I need to let that person know that I made a mistake. And I need to take corrective action. And that's what that's about. Write your definition of wrong. That's just a broad thing of wrong. Wrong in what it means to me. It means I'm not correct, right? I'm not right. You ever think about it? I'm not right. So, what do I got a problem with saying I'm wrong? I'm not right, so how could I be, how could I not be wrong? Seriously, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not going to be argumentative with my sponsor about it. How many want to argue with their sponsor about being right when they're wrong? The minute I try to start an argument with my sponsor, I'm wrong. Simple. How many of you want to argue with your sponsor? I got sponsors want to argue with me. You know what I do? You don't want to talk to me today? Hang up. Simple. Stew on it for a while. I don't play that game. 
My sponsors never played that game. Matt and I were talking about the directness of his, uh, of, of one of my best friends in England, who I sponsor, and he's just like me, but he's just like Joseph, he's just like Greg. We don't accept that. We're direct to the point. We're just direct. The minute we decide we're going to argue with our sponsor, we're wrong. The minute we are in group conscience and we got to argue our point of view, we're wrong. That ain't letting go, is it? I got to promptly admit I'm wrong. So I will have my one say in group conscience, let it go. Let it happen, whatever happens, happens. If the group makes a wrong decision, so what? I'm not there to be the DNA police. I used to be one of them years ago. You get a lot of headaches being the NA police, folks. I mean, seriously. I'm like, my God, how many times I racked my head off the wall over being the NA cop? I look at these things. It's easy. We have group conscience. What does it matter? It takes 100% to pass the first time in our group anyway, so what am I worried about? I'm going to say no. 99% of them will say yes, but it don't pass anyway. So they're going to argue with me, and I'm going to, lack, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going home. Talk to me later. I don't have to bang my head off the wall over that stuff. And then we'll come back the next month, and we got to talk about the traditions, why they're right. How's it fit into the traditions? All of a sudden, the vote changed to... 70% my way and 30% their way. Still doesn't pass. So we got to look at the tradition some more. So why do I get in arguments over stupid shit? To prove my point of view? My point of view is wrong. If I got to argue with it, it's wrong. If I can't trust, as we're talking about, trusting my sponsor, trusting God as we develop this far, we're at this point. I should have faith, I should have trust. I gotta look at these things. That's what this is about. I don't got time to argue with you, okay? It ain't gonna do me no good, it's not gonna do you any good. So why argue? And then we say, right on how you omit something. We went over omit a lot, didn't we here? Didn't we have a lot of questions on omit? Here, right? So I think we should have an understanding of what it is to admit. To admit is either I'm verbally admitting to somebody else or I'm, I'm accepting myself. I'm accepting in my admittance to myself. It's an acceptance to myself and then I'm gonna admit to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs and to God. We talked a lot about that. So I shouldn't have to talk about that, right? Everyone got an understanding of that? I don't think there's any more questions on it, is there? So, here's the good part. You got a lot of writing to do tonight. And it's in the guide. It got living the program. Use the living the program IP every evening for 30 days. Focus on relationships, inner reactions, how to deal with those inner reactions. That's a nice set of bunch of words. Go over everything with your sponsor. If you don't understand or are confused, 
ring responsible for guidance. So, uh, and then they got to live in the program. You see that thing? We put it in on purpose. It's what Joseph made me write for a year and a half. I ended up writing it for 10 straight years, every day. Every day, every night, I went, before I went to bed, I wrote this thing. I like looking at it in the morning before I start my day now. All right? I want to start my day in a positive manner. So the purpose of this daily inventory is to keep track of who we are, what we are doing today, try to answer every question every day, keep your answers as simple and honest as you can. If you miss a day, do not make it up later. Start over, I think you should do. It says limit your answers and concerns to the past 24 hours and complete the questions at the end of the day. That's why I did the end of the day, because that's what it tells me to do. So now I can do it two times a day. I can do the beginning and the end. Something changes in that day. Remember that daily inventory is not a test. There are no right or wrong answers. Do not get upset if you have done, if you could not, if you could have done better or if you fail to live up to your expectations of yourself. Remember, this is a program of growth and recovery. And if you are clean today, you are doing something right. Applaud yourself. Seriously, applaud yourself for that. You're doing something right. You're here. Just for today, my thoughts will be on my recovery, living and enjoying the life without the use of drugs. Am I clean today? How have I acted differently? So you're going to answer that. How you have acted differently today? Yeah, so you can see you're focusing. How about from the start of the day, how you act different by the end of the day? Did my disease run my life today? If so, how? And you know if the disease ran your life today. You know if you didn't surrender today. So you're going to have a little bit more writing to do there in that part. Have a nice tablet with you to write your answers down. What did I do today that I wish I have not done? In the beginning, I wrote a lot. I don't have to write that much no more. I might get upset because my day didn't end from three days ago, okay? I didn't go to sleep. <laughs> Sometimes I write in there. What was I good to myself today and how? you need to look at yourself and how you treated yourself today and if you were good to yourself how was today a good day was I happy was I serene that there that last one for a long time was no I was not serene I was hyped I was insane I had so much energy, and I go through days like that today where I'm not serene. I am calm, though. I'm not serene. My mind's going a 1,000 miles a minute today because I'm going down a lot of rabbit holes, and I'm, I'm working to do a lot of different things. I'm multitasking. Just for today, I will have faith in someone in A who believes in me and wants to help me in my recovery. How do you like the way they put the... Just for today, mix through this thing. Huh? Right. You need it after a couple, after answering a few of them. You need that just for today in there. 
Did I ask my, did I talk to my sponsor today? Oh, I called, but did I talk to him? Hmm? Did I attend a meeting today? Where? That's a simple, that's a real yes, no. I mean, yes, I went to a meeting, or no, I went, I didn't go to a meeting. And if I didn't go to a meeting, we should have another question there, why not? Okay? Where? I'll find out if I'm traveling or not, or if I'm doing it for convenience, just to get to a meeting, going to the closest meeting near me, just so, for convenient purposes, when I know I should have been somewhere else. Did I share my experience, strength, and hopes? That's always yes every day, and I'll put some examples of that. I do that every day today. Who are the people in my life I can trust today? I have people I can trust. And I'll list them. I'll also write how I trust them today, because my sponsor had them questions in for me. Who has trusted me today? I got an endless list there anymore because there's a lot of people trust me in a lot of different areas. I got two organizations. One made me the president of their organization. They're not replacing me. The other one made me an outreach coordinator of their organization. They're not replacing me. So I know there's people who trust me. These are people I never thought I'd have in my life and they're in my life, they're not in NA. They respect my thoughts, they expect, they, they, they like what I do. But I learned it here. I'm only duplicating what I learned here. Just for today, I will have a program I will try to follow to the best of my ability. Back to just for today. That I read from our literature today. I read from our literature every day. I start my day with our literature. I end my day with our literature. I practice the tools of recovery. And I put that down. What did I read? I start with the gray book every day and I close with the gray book every day. And I'll pick the baby blue up in the middle of the day I'll, and I'll just open it up and let it go where it goes. And that's what I read. And then I'll take some notes on it. What step did I constantly work? I constantly work the first three steps every day. That's how I start my day with the first three steps. And then I'll go where I'm at and see where I'm going with my, I do the 11th step every day. Prayer and meditation every day to reflect on. I pray every night before I go to sleep on the 11th step. That's a reflection of mine. It's a reflection that I take every night. I close my day in prayer and I open my day in prayer. That's something I do every day. I do not deviate from that. Did I admit my powerless today? I do that right in the morning. Mm -hmm. I am powerless over the disease of addiction. I start my day that way. And the reason I start my day that way. I'm powerless over actions of others. I say certain prayers about that. I have a, an in-depth prayer of the meditate, of the, of uh, God grant us the serenity and I added things in there. I added things in when I say, God grant, God's already given it to me. 
he's given me that. I have a responsibility with it now. Once I'm given the grant, I get a responsibility. I talk, I look at that daily. What's the risk? God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change. So I need to look at what I can't change. I can't change the reactions of others, can I? I, I don't have the ability to change laws. I might have the ability, if I get enough people, to get and influence people to change laws, but I can't do that personally. That takes a team effort, just like it takes a team effort here to put this function on, to do public information is a team effort. So I can't change, though, your feelings about me either. What you feel about me is your, is your decision. I can't change that. If you don't like me, that's your problem, not mine. I can't change that, can I? So, we're looking at this here. I do not read it the way it says. Was I able to put my trust? I put a greater power today. But it was written with a higher power. Can I put my trust in my greater power today? Yes, I can on a daily basis. I trust the greater power than me. I trust God. What did I learn about myself today? Every day I'm having a new miraculous teaching about myself. God is teaching me stuff every day about me. I'm not the person I walk through the door as. I'm not the person at five years clean. I'm not the person at 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 43 years plus clean. I'm not the same person as before. I can multitask today. I couldn't multitask years ago. I was tunneled tasking, singular. Today I multitask. I do so many different things. I have the ability to actually listen to God through dreams, through changes, through direction. I didn't have that ability before. My mind is expanding. I didn't have that ability before. I was closed-minded, I'm open-minded today. Them are all different for me. Did I make any amends today? I made the amends by changing my life today and not doing the harm to others I did before. That I make every day. Do I make some different amends? Yes. I can't say it's every day that I do that. But the greatest amends I'm making is participation in my family's life, making sure I'm involved with them. That's an amends I make every day. I make an amends doing research every day to help children and expose stuff that's going on out there to make sure children have safeguards, to make sure parents are empowered to be parents. I work at that every day. That's part of my amends to society. Did I admit fault to anyone today? I didn't have any faults today yet. I said, yet the day's not over. All right. But I didn't do anything that I can see that I did wrong to admit a fault for. Not yet. 
I'll do this later. I'll know if something happens between now and then. Did I worry about yesterday or tomorrow? I don't worry about yesterday or tomorrow anymore. Tomorrow's not here and never shows up anyway. Tomorrow, when I, it, it's not tomorrow, it's today. Every day is today. There is no tomorrow. Do I plan for my future? Yes. Talk to a couple people about some things that I do for my future. I got two years worth of stockpile of food. Something happens, I have food. I plan for that. I never planned before. Today, I want to make sure my family has food. After I see some of the grocery stores the last couple of years and you walk in, there's nothing on the shelves. There's an issue. All right, so I'm making sure. I remember when we couldn't get toilet paper. So I make sure there's at least about 150 rolls of toilet paper in my house today. We're not going without toilet paper, okay? It's kind of stinky if you don't have toilet paper. All right? I make sure there's enough paper towels because my wife likes paper towels. So I make sure I have six months supply of paper towels in the house. You know when I learned that stuff back in my, when I was born and my, and my father was doing that stuff because they were concerned about when they, they were depression babies? We're back to them days. When you see what happened in the last few years, you can't get, you cannot get uh, liquid penicillin right now. That's needed with people that get uh, some type of uh, whatever they call sexual disease, you need it. I remember the guys used to go when I was using, and all of a sudden they'd all get gonorrhea. Got to run to the doctor, get a shot of penicillin, a shot of B12. Well, they don't got that penicillin for them right now. Imagine that. The whole United States, they can't get liquid penicillin all of a sudden. Something's wrong with this picture, folks. So I plan. I plan to store up enough vitamin B12, enough of this type of vitamins. I get all liquid vitamins. I got enough for a year or two. So, I mean, I've changed things about myself. And I'm not worrying about it. I just plan. Can I accept myself as I am today? Yes, I can. Could I do that my... My whole 43 years, no. Today I accept myself for who I am. I don't know who I'm going to be next year, but I know I'm going to accept myself because life changes. I might be in federal prison by then anyway. I don't know. Things that I do. Eric sent me a picture one time. Everyone remember January 6th? I was at the congressional building he sends me a picture from the Dutch news of me running across the in front of the congressional building with my backpack on he said I found you I said wait a minute you found me I can't find a picture anywhere in the U.S. news with me there and he sends me one so I couldn't end up in jail overnight yet did I feel like I was part of humanity today yes the greatest humanity on earth is the most normal people, and we're all here in this room. We're the most normal people in the world, and I truly believe that today, when we were the most abnormal. I believe we're the most normal now. Thank you for being normal, folks. Yeah, I'm excited. Did I allow myself to become obsessed by anything today? No, I didn't. I talk with people about certain obsessions, but I have not been obsessed today. All right? 
I hardly do any work on my computer while I do some, but I'm hardly doing any. I just want to keep up. I'll get obsession and go down the rabbit holes when I get home. But they're not going to damage me. What has God given me to be grateful today? He gave me all of you, first of all. Every one of you he gave me today to be grateful to have you in my life. And I want to thank you and appreciate that, that you are part of my life. I got a lot of accolades from people here. But guess what? I owe my life to you. I want you to know that. Have I done anything to cause harm to myself or in another today? No, I haven't. So I don't have to write that next part, if so, what? I've not done any harm today. If I did, please let me know. Am I willing to change today? Yes. I'm constantly willing to change. I'm open-minded. I'm willing to change. If I can see something that needs to be changed, it will be changed. Did I pray or meditate today? I started, I don't know, what do you mean started today? I started whatever. I, I decided to roll out of a bed that I took a, a 15 or 20 minute nap in and roll back over and start back over. I mean, if I fall asleep, I can hear what you're saying. Don't worry about it. I have the ability to hear. But did I meditate? Yes, I prayed today and I meditated. I reflected many of times today on God's will. How did it affect my life? How did it affect my life by prayer and meditation? Positive energy. Contact with God. Contact with people. Feeling your spirits. That's all amazement stuff, folks. You know, it's going to be neat for you guys to do this in your groups and come back and what you're going to talk about when you're done with this. What spiritual principles have been able to practice in my life today? What spiritual principles? Prayer, meditation, they're spiritual principles. Communication, hearing someone, listening to them, actually hearing what they're saying. Them are all spiritual principles. We got a lot of spiritual principles that we live by here today. But an important thing in my life, staying clean. I'm going to tell you what. I believe clean time matters. It's important to me. The clean time I have is important to me. It's important to me if you tell me you got one day totally absent from any mood-changing sub or chemical. It's important to me. It's important to me to tell, if someone tells me I'm working off the doctor dope. And here's what my, my goal is to get my white key tag and celebrate with you one day clean. It's important to me. And that should be important to each one of us. Clean time matters. We, it's the only thing that we truly recognize for an NA birthday is your clean time. We don't even recognize your recovery. We recognize your clean time. We celebrate it. We applaud it, folks. A byproduct of that ends up being recovery. A byproduct of that, okay? That people will see, and they'll let you know they've seen the change. When I see a woman I met that I saw here in, in September, and I look at her and tell her, man, you lost a lot of weight. It's amazing. 
you're doing some good work. Seeing other people picking up exercising and stuff to get the blood flowing in their body, making changes, that's applauding to me, but we don't celebrate that, do we? But we can recognize it when we see it, folks. We can recognize it and let them know that they're doing a great job. And I do that today. Just for today, I'll be unafraid. My thoughts will be on my new association people are not using who found a new way of life. So long as I follow this way, I have nothing to fear. I like to end it this way. As long as I follow that way, you have nothing to fear. All right? Because that means I'm doing well and I'm not aggressive. I'm not attacking you. Have I given of myself today without expecting anything in return? I don't expect anything in return today. I don't do it for that reason. What I do is out of gratitude, not for applause. Was there fear in my life today? No, I've had no fear today. Did I feel intense joy or pain? I felt a lot of intense joy today. I felt intense pain, I live in it daily. I don't allow it to take over my life today. All right, that's the difference. It doesn't control my life, the pain I live in. I live in physical pain every day. Did I feel, I've read that, did I call or visit someone in the NA program? I mean, in the program today. I think I made phone calls today. I think I'm visiting every one of you today. Every time I have a conversation, one of you is in the hallway or sitting on a chair here or sitting out at dinner or sitting, going outside and talking with you, okay? I'm communicating with you. So I can answer that question. Did I pray for the well-being of another today? We've been doing that all day. Every time we have a silent prayer for the still-suffering addict, we're praying for their well-being. I'm praying for them to make it here. I'm praying they don't have to suffer no more and we can carry the message. And what am I doing to make that happen today? What part am I playing in it? I do inventory on that on a daily basis. Dear God, show me what I've done right and wrong today. Show me how I can better live and serve thy will tomorrow. That's to now meet with your groups, all right? I'm going to sit down for a little bit, okay, before I get up and roam around, because I'm in pain. Thank you. Grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom know the difference. Brings us to the 11th step. Step 11, we sought through prayer and meditation to prove our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. We change from the third step as we under. You know, we are, had we understood him in the third step, we went to those who came before us. To the, now, we have that understanding from that experience of the previous 10 steps. And as we move progress, we have an understanding of God now. There should be no more questioning who God is or what God is. Now it's directing us into how we're gonna improve upon that relationship. And it's letting us know prayer and meditation. It doesn't say meditation, it says prayer and meditation. It's, it's basically letting us know when we're reading this here and what we're doing and why we're doing is to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for that knowledge, for his will, for us, and the power to carry that out. It's very simple, simplistic. You know, uh, and we all know what the first part is. I'm going to skip all that there from 1 to D. That's repetitive of every step. Someone asked me a question. Uh, the question basically was in the first three steps is telling you certain things to do and then the next steps is not telling you, okay? And basically is letting you know if your sponsor feels you're ready for the fourth step, they'll proceed. After that, it don't say if your sponsor. Basically, you should have an understanding of that. You don't move on to the next step. But since we're going to adapt the guide, and it's going to say it in each step. And what it's going to say in the 12th step is, because it's, which I'll go over this afternoon, the bridge step to the 12th tradition, it's going to tell you to go on to the first tradition. Your sponsor will guide you through that. So we get an understanding of the 12 traditions, as we're going to do the next year. But uh, since someone inputted that, I said, they're right. I didn't even, it, it, even though I go through this and I keep going back through the guide and, and look for ways to tweak it, that was good input. So we're going to make that little change. We'll change it in the guide so it's explicit. They want to know why. And it never dawned on me, but I just assume Something's not, not right to assume. So we're going to correct that part. And, uh, you know, everyone can agree on that? Yeah. Okay? Everyone agree on that? Okay. The conscience says we change that part, okay? So that's simple. So the breakdown, the steps in the following part. We sought through prayer and meditation. I wrote on that. 
because there's too many people that they say, oh, I'm meditating. And I'm like, where's prayer at? It's explicitly prayer is just like talking to you. We're talking to God in the same manner. We develop the relationship where we're able to talk to God. Meditation is listening to hear direction, how to move forward, how to get things done, what direction we should take, and then we talk with our sponsors to make sure that we're in the right direction. And we, we, we communicate back and forth. This is a communication way to improve our relationships. And that's what it's talking about, we're improving our relationship, is what I wrote about. That's why I went over with my sponsor one about that we talked a little bit more, we got a little bit more in depth, and we moved forward. To improve our conscious contact. Our conscious contact means we have a contact now with God. We can feel the presence of God. Conscience is something we develop from the first day we walk through the door. Through each step, we're, we're coming more conscious in contact with the spiritual world. We're developing the spirit in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. We're developing the spirit, we had talks this morning about this, basically, uh, about the relationships with this God. I, when I went to Russia, they wanted to know, how do you know God exists? Because we can feel the presence of God. That's the concept. We can feel that presence. We had a good talk this morning about that, feeling the presence and there's times in recovery we don't feel it. And we're walking alone, it seems, but yet God is carrying us till we can get back to that track. And if we follow the, the basic, simplistic views of Narcotics Anonymous, okay, if we follow the tools and we do these things, our conscience develops. I wake up every morning in prayer. I like to say prayer to prayer. I pray in the morning, I close my day with prayer, whatever time it may be. I don't care if it's a half an hour sleep in the, overnight. I close myself in prayer before I go to sleep. That's the last thing I do before I rest my head on a pillow. I fall asleep. Even when I fall asleep at a computer, I already prayed because I don't know if, I'm, if I'm, that's where I'm gonna wake up. But I, I, I practice that on a day, and if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm in prayer. I pray in the middle of the night. There's sometimes God's talking to me in my dreams, and I gotta wake up and I gotta write what I'm hearing, and then in the morning I'm gonna reflect on them, things that come into my mind in the middle of the night. And I'll jot it down and I have because I keep a notepad there. People will know if I write. Of course I write. But I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I listen to that prayers of what I'm hearing, what's going on, and I'll write it down. And if I wake up again and I'm in prayer, I'm gonna write down what I felt was going on at that moment. So it's really highly Reasonable for everyone to have a notebook by their bed. Yep. 
but what I'm trying to do here is improve that conscious contact. I always tell people I want to become a living prayer. They ask me, what do you want out of life? I want to be a living prayer. I want to be in contact on a regular basis. I want my life to reflect that. And, we, and we're praying only for knowledge, for his knowledge, not mine. I want God's knowledge. I'm praying to strengthen that, or his will for us. So I want God's will, my will is surrendered. We went through the whole process of surrendering our will <coughs> since the first day we walked through Narcotics Anonymous. The first day we asked for help, we surrender our will to get help. Talked about that this morning. At, at the table, about basically we're surrendering our will the minute we walk through the door. We're doing gratitude lists along the road. We're looking at what to be grateful for. But we're, what we're basically looking for is God's will, not ours. Our prayers reflect that. And the power to carry that out. We need God's power, not ours. Ours gets in the road. We should have already checked our ego, edging God out in the garbage can. Should have been gone already by now. Now we're building that relationship. We're strengthening it. We're working on it. We're going to have an application of it. You should understand that there shouldn't be questions at this point of the game. I know as newcomers and you're here, you're here with two years, three years, you haven't got to this point. You're going to have many of questions. And that, that's acceptable. As people have worked through it, though, they should be able to lead you and carry you through it and get you to that point. And uh, when I look at how do I achieve God's awareness, we already talked about prayer, meditation, reflections. We have tools for reflections now with the Gray Book. We have them tools. We got sponsors. We have this. We have a home group. We're part of a group conscience. We have traditions. There's so many different things we have that will reflect on how do I achieve God's awareness. Your writing, your tools. If you're not writing, get to writing daily. It's part of it if you want that their awareness of God. It comes through your writing. It comes through practicing these principles, not deviating. Someone asked me, how do you avoid complacency? I do exactly what I did when I met Joseph Proctor daily. I've not deviated from that because I'm very aware of complacency and I don't want it in my life. I am ritualistic in ways and means of how I practice this stuff. I don't deviate. I'm very aware that complacency kills addicts. What it really kills is your spirit. If you're complacent, you're not staying focused on the, the end game. The end game to me is what the 12 steps is going to be about. And as I look about this here, when it says, it, how do I achieve God's awareness? It's in everything I do today. If it means I'm, I'm waking up and I'm going to go out and sit by the creek at 3 in the morning 
and I'm going to sit in prayer and meditation till the sun rises, it means that's what I'm doing. And I do that many of nights where I'm restless. And is God calling me to go into prayer and meditation? And I sit by a creek, a little brook-like thing, and I sit on a stone and I listen to a little waterfall by the mill race. To my backyard, it's nice, nice, nice to have that in my backyard. And there's nobody out at that time of night. That's the great part. The city is quiet that I live close to. Everyone has rolled up the carpets. Okay, even if they've been out partying, they already have retreated because the sun will be rising. You know, and addicts don't want to be out when the sun's rising. All right? That's when you say the norms will come out. You know, right? And that's when the hustle and bustle of people going to work come out, the noise. So I like to go out there in the middle of the night. When the parties are ending and the quietness takes forth, and I can listen to the night air. I can listen to the brook. I can listen to the little waterfalls. And I can drift into God's world. I improve that relationship. Take an inventory of how many times a day you stop everything you are doing. That's a task. Seriously. Especially in this world. How many times do we just take time to stop and take it? And actually write the times we do this. Tells you where we're at in our spiritual world. If we're not taking that time and we don't know when that time happens. We're not taking inventory. We're not developing ourselves. And that's what that talks about. Take an inventory of how many times a day you use the word God and then what content. Makes you think, doesn't it? I do that. I use the word God a lot. I don't care if I know you or not, I'm going to say God bless as I'll leave a story even. If I'm in conversation, I'm going to say may God bless you. And people look at me and they say thank you. And I move on. But I'm leaving a message there. I'm not telling them what God is. I'm, not I'm asking God to bless that person. They took time out to have conversation with me. So, but when you look at it, how many times a day do you use the word God? Not like I told you, I don't use HP, the little HP at all. I use the word God on a continuous basis. And it's amazing how many times a day I use the word God. When I'm on the phone, I end it with, with God. May God bless you today. How many times? I'm talking with people that, I, that uh, are not part of this fellowship, many of them a day. And I'm asking God, thanking, thanking them for taking time to have conversation with me. And may God bless their life today. You know, and uh, try it as, as a reflection in your life today. I don't care if you're clean two weeks. Try it and see how many times you use certain words. See if it's reflected in your life. Because they say we're totally self-centered when we get here, right? As we develop, we become God-centered. Our lives should become God-centered the longer we're here. We should have more of a reflection of that. 
And that's what this step is, improving that. What is the 11-step prayer, and when do you use it in a daily life? How many people here know the 11-step prayer? Anybody know it here? Well, then look it up. And come up here then in a few minutes. You, you know the 11-step prayer? Well, come up and tell us it. Come here. So everyone, she's going to go over that so everyone hears the 11-step prayer in this. It's just this way. Huh? It's just this way. That's it. That's Greg's right there. Greg wrote that. That's the 11-step prayer in the grade book. Okay? You want to say it? Yeah, it says, God, I don't know what to do. Please teach me. That's how simple it is in the grade book. How Greg instructed us to do his writing in the 11th step. All right? You know, you know where the, the 11th step is in the baby blue, folks? Huh? It, it's not titled. It's the shortest step. Why is that? No, it isn't. Not here. It is titled in this one. It's in the grade book. It's not titled. What's, where's it at in the, in the baby blue, the 11th step prayer? Hmm? Google it. See where it's at in, the, in, the, in your baby blue. You guys are supposed to be the studiers of it, right? Especially your home group did so much research on it, right? Where's it at? Matt? Uh, it's in the step. Yeah, where's it at in the step? In the wording of the step. Where's it at, though? <laughs> Tell me what it is. It's uh, asking God for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. I think that's right in the first, in the first, the heading. Yeah. But where's the prayer? <clears throat> I don't you find it? Yeah, we want to get up and say it here, Eric, at the mic. You're going to participate in the workshop, so when you go into workshop, you already know it, okay? I don't know if it's the 11-step prayer, but it says on page 39. Your will, not mine, be done. That's how short it is. That's your 11-step prayer, short, simplistic, to the point. It's what we seek in the 11-step. But what is an 11-step prayer, and how do you use it in your daily life? That's what it's asking you. And the prayers in both books are very simplistic, very short, right to the point. How many times do you use it during the day? Good, I like quietness. <clears throat> Take a daily inventory, the amount of time you feel at peace within God's consciousness. It means the noise has stopped. The noise has stopped in my life. I'm not trying to manipulate it anymore. 
I stopped up. How many times have I actually quieted my mind down to hear God's presence in my life today? You know, I had a friend named Mac McFadden who's passed. And he tell you, when he walks through the door, take off your shoes, you're walking on holy ground. Dust off your feet, my friends. When he did his 11th state workshops, that's how we started them. Take off your shoes, dust off your feet, you're walking on holy ground. You're walking in the presence of God. That's the attainment of the 11th step, is getting to that point in life. You know, and I think about that, you know, because uh, is what I seek in life. I seek that today. I want to be in the presence of God. I want every decision I make reflecting of God's will, not mine. I want to be at rest with these decisions. I don't want conflict in them. We've gone through a lot here this weekend so far. We've gone through up and down the roller coaster. Anyone feel they've been on a real high on the coaster and real low here this weekend? Anyone cry? I know there were some tears here, okay? Right? Right. Okay? I know people talk to me about what they're going through in life shared me how they want to surrender the, this obsession with me this weekend. Personal conversations. How they're seeing things that they couldn't see before they walked through the door on Thursday. How this has brought them to this point to know what they want to surrender finally. And they don't want their will no more. They want to let go of it. They're seeking for the gut to be the hole in your gut to be filled. And they're realizing all the things they've been doing is not working. That's the complete surrender when we come to that point. Now it's time to move forward in the steps with your sponsor, build them relationships, walk in the, in the spirit of God, and allow yourself the time to heal. Quit looking for other places for that to be fulfilled. Quit chasing Quit chasing, because there's nothing at the end of the, of the rainbow. I saw the most two gorgeous rainbows the other day after a storm. The sun came up, and there were these monster rainbows, and they went across the whole Leah Valley, 25 miles across the, from mountain to mountain. And I guarantee there was no pot of gold at the end. I'm not chasing the rainbow no more. I'm not looking for the pot of gold at the end of the road. I'm looking for the spirit at the end of the road. I'm looking to be fulfilled. And I took time for my granddaughter as we're driving. I, and I said, she's taking pictures because I pointed it out. And she says, is there a bank at the end of them? I said, well, the problem is that there is, we can't get it. Because <laughs> that's where all the money's sitting. She thought that each a rainbow under the banks. <laughs> I said, that's a nice idealism, but if it does, we can't get in anyway, so there's no pot of gold for us today. We developed that in our lives.
that there is developed through our spirituality that what we seek here is not is not gold wealth when we chase that we get lost we stop chasing it what we're chasing is something greater than us we're chasing the spiritual power and we invite that spiritual power in i talked about that today i never understood all these things that other religions and stuff talked about the door how, how do you open the door where's the door at and what we're talking about is opening our heart opening our spirit to be able to develop that's what we're talking about and god said he can move a mountain with a with the faith of a mustard seed he gave me a shovel get to work and the mountain moved took a lot of work though a lot of shoveling a lot of so that's what happens here we learn how to do the work we learn the applications we learn to apply the daily take the daily inventory on the amount of time you feel at peace within god's conscience i already went over that i have a lot there today how do you know when you experience god's consciousness you feel at peace first of all there's no confusion there's no conflict like now i can i can feel there's no conflict here i don't feel a conflict in the room today there's been periods this week and there's been conflict in the room and that's all right however each step we go through takes it a little away from that conflict that noise I look at that there, where am I at in recovery? Go over everything. See, here it goes back to go over everything with your sponsor. If you don't understand or confused, ring your sponsor guys, but it's not tell you where your sponsor moves you on to the 12th step. That's why that got to be put in there. But go over everything with your sponsor. It's implied. So now we're just going to put it there. And we go over everything with, your, with our sponsors. If you don't understand or are confused, ring your sponsor for guidance, telling you the direction where to go. And the simple form of the 11th step is living it, experiencing it, talking about it, growing with that spirit. I don't do it on my own. I call my sponsor. I go over it with my sponsor. I don't make them decisions and say, well, God told me to do it. I go over it, I want to know where I'm at in the areas. I do not make any major decisions today on my own. My major decisions are made talking with my sponsor, prayer, talking with my wife because she's part of it. On my decisions, she's part of every one of my decisions I make. I got to take her into, into counsel in that area and let her be part of that. I go over it with my sponsor and we talk about it. We go through a checklist of where I'm at. See, that's left for your sponsor. It's not left for, it, that part does not get written in here. That part is left in your relationship you built since you walked through the doors and got a sponsor. You're practicing trust, you're track, practicing faith. And that's why anonymity is so important, as we'll go over at the end of the 12th, step, I mean, 12th traditions. We're not there, but this is the purest form of amenity here in the relationship with your sponsor. And the relationship with God is amenity. Becoming a pure spirit is amenity. 
So break into your groups. I'm here if you need me. Come get me. I will sit in your groups and talk with you if you have questions. We'll try to answer them before we get to here, okay? What time is it? I need times. Oh, okay, what time's kitchen duty? What time's the group need to be in the kitchen? I'm trying to find out before you walk out the door here and go to your groups. So your group leaders know. If, if, if you're going to go to your group, I'll come and let your group leader know when they need to come back, okay? All right? So go with your groups. I'm Bill. And this is the last step of the weekend. Uh, to me, throughout the weekend, we have been uh, doing 12-step work the whole time. With him coming up, there was someone doing 12-step work. There was someone getting a message that we're here. I mean, I think about stuff like that all the time. Public information is, you're out there getting the message out. You're doing the job. You're carrying them. You're getting it out that we're here. That's what, the real 12-step work happens when you walk into the meeting, though. When the group 12 steps an addict and they stay here with us. They get to stand up and say, I have 90 days clean. I have six months, nine months, a year and multiple years. It shows our program worked. How it works though is the 12 steps. Why it works is the 12 traditions. They always say the how and the why. And why I'm saying the how is the steps. The why is traditions. And uh, there's been a phenomenal change in Narcotics Anonymous that has stifled that. Why have they stifled it? Because it takes the responsibility away from the home group and the home group members where the miracle happens. And, and I'm so excited because I'm already evaluating other members on the team have, are evaluating what we can improve for next year already. I know in the next week we'll have our back and forth stuff sent to the people who worked it and we're going to expand our team for next year so we can better facilitate the miracle that happened to here. And that's the exciting part. But I haven't had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, which should be those I'm going to have to input that and change that in input because it needs to go back to the old form. Those steps. And we need to change that part. Because it's the way it was written. 
the way I was walked through the steps by Jimmy, Joseph, Greg. They changed that on us, and we didn't catch it. And I blame that on us. But when we have those steps, they're the previous 11 and a half steps. We've had had that spiritual result of those steps. Then it, we tried to carry the mess of the addicts and practice these principles in all our affairs. Writing on, on, on step 12, we do the same thing. I'm going to go right down to E. Because everything's redundant from each step. On the breakdowns and things like that, it's all redundant. For time's sake, I'm not going to go through all that because we don't need to. We did that earlier. And uh, break the step down into the following parts. Having had a spiritual awakening. Had. Means you have had it already. A spiritual awakening has happened here. I think everyone has been spiritually awakened here. Whether they... Look at it or not, the spiritual awakening when the tears of joy, the tears of sorrow turn to joy. That's a spiritual awakening. You recognize people talking to me throughout the conference about their emotions. It means the spirit's coming to life. That's what it's talking about. But there's accumulation of all that, an accumulation of each step. At this point, it's about each step. Each step has a spiritual awakening in it. You're not going to wait to get to the 12th step to have had a spiritual awakening as a result of those. It's saying those steps when we go back, and that's why it needs to be switched to those. You think about that. That means you've had spiritual awakenings the whole time. Now, this is accumulation of it. And then it goes as a result, yeah, the result of these of those steps. We need to switch that word there too. I hope someone's taking notes here who uh, goes through the guide. Herman, where are you? Take your notes, Herman. They need to be switched, okay? We don't have to get World Service to approve our switches, okay? We're just putting it back the way it's supposed to be. And they can't say a word about it. That's the good part. We tried. I don't like the word tried, but it's there. I like to say we do. But we're not going to change the step in that form. I think the word tried is sets us up for failure. <clears throat> In my belief, I, I, that's one of them words I've removed from my vocabulary. I switched that. We do. Okay, we do. I like to look at it as we do. And when I go through that, I put we do there for myself. But I'm not going to change the step. I don't have that right in that area. Uh, and, but what we did, we tried to carry the message to, to addicts. I look at it, we do carry the message to addicts, especially by this time. We're not trying, we're doing it. As a result, we see it in the room here today. We're carrying the message or you won't be here. 
you're getting the message or you wouldn't be here. We're not trying, we're doing it. It's the way I look at it. Uh, and we practice these principles. Here's the connective. What principles are we talking about? These principles are the 12 traditions. This is a connection to the 12 traditions. When I said there's a phenomenon going on and, there's, and what they're removing is these principles, basically. They want you to wrap, that's why it's these and these. They wrap you back around to the first step. Yes, we'll go back through the steps. Your sponsor will go over that stuff with you. I do a lot of mini first three-step work with my sponsor today. And then I'll do a mini four-step. I'll do a, you know, a little bit studying on the fifth-step stuff that I need to get deeper in. But it's not like I'm just keep wrapping around and wrapping around. I'm practicing these principles of, on a daily basis in my life. But these principles we're talking about because what are you doing? You're talking about carrying the message. What do you carry the message? How do you carry the message? It's through a group. You've got to be connected to a conscience greater than all of us. Where does that happen, group conscience? It does not happen. i got an individual conscience. I'm hearing people talk about that individualism. I do have an individual conscience that I develop on a regular basis, but I'm not doing it alone, folks. I'm doing it with my sponsor. I'm doing it at the home group. I'm doing it in these functions like this. It's inclusive, all of us. You know, and I think about that type of stuff. But when we say and practice these principles in all our affairs, our affairs, our affairs are Narcotics Anonymous. Our affairs of Narcotics Anonymous that we're talking about are them 12 traditions. They are the 12 traditions. And that's why I said this year we're gonna go through the 12 traditions so we have them principles embedded and we can overcome some of these issues we go through in NA. So we can put it to rest in some areas so we can grow even better. I mean, in the steps, it told you about learning to love each another better. We're here to help guide one another. We're here to help improve our lives. But we got to be the example. After we're here for a while, we need to be the example for a newcomer to follow. You know, I hear some things sometimes, and I always used to say to people, you know where the part in the basic text is at that says we shouldn't say anything that would drive someone out of the room? You know where it's at, anyone? I bet there's someone can Google where that's at, Matt. Where's it at? It's there. It talks about us. They're telling us that we don't have the right to say exactly what we want to say that would offend another human being. It's going to take me a huh? It's going to take me a yeah, I'm waiting there, Matt. You're pretty good at this stuff. Anyone found it? Anyone else got on there to, 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 to look through the book and find it? But I know it's there. I used to have a guy who used to sit in the, that I sponsored at one time. And I knew I would never continue sponsoring him because he was one of them guys that would just recite the book and not apply it. I'd say, 
It's in the book, and he and he nailed the page, the line, everything. It was in the great book. It's in this book. He takes you to the page and the paragraph. All right, and I was just like, okay, thank you. He knew the book, but he didn't know recovery. He's one of the people that could recite every word of the book and knew where every word's at. Like there's some things that I know it's there, but I don't know where it's at. I read the book, I helped write the book, but I don't know where it's at. The last return is emotional stability, Jimmy Kinnon. Where's it at? I can't tell you. I don't have time to remember the book. It's them one-liners though that pop out in my recovery. I said, here, in the seventh step, it dawned on me one day that we have a fourfold disease. We got a fourfold recovery. And I was reading Jimmy Kinnon's writings, I was reading Greg's writings, and I'm, and I'm putting what's similar in their writings. They're both touching on it, but they're not saying it. When Jimmy says the last to return is emotional stability, that's after you have already your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. What it's talking about is these, you know, you put these three fingers up, you put these two equal. The world talks about if you go to psychology or psychiatry, they want you to stifle your, your emotional state. They want the I over the E. What happens when we put the I over the E? Think about it. We come out, out sideways here. Our emotions are stifled. Our emotions are suppressed. And that's what society wants us at. What do we go through here? Emotional upheaval. Even in this here, we're going through emotions the whole weekend. The atmosphere allows for them emotions to come out, your tears, your joy, your communication, your growth as a result of the steps. As a result of that, we are set free. You think about that being set free this way because when I'm looking and I'm reflecting and having a spiritual awakening on Greg and Jimmy's writings, and I've been talking about that ever since, about the fourth fold. What's the first to go? Your emotional stability when you're, on, when you're going the reverse way, back out. Okay? And then you stop your prayer life. Then you end up emotionally unstable. You start ending up in the void again. And when you're in the void, you're back at the end of the first step again. Your mental being is the one that manipulates you to take you back out. It's the one that points out this doesn't work. Look at this crap. These people have been lying to me. They're not really living it. Look at them. They have these personality conflicts. That's why we have traditions to overcome that stuff. That's why they were created, to overcome that stuff. But having had a spiritual awakening as a result of those steps, I'm able to see that today. I'm able to see the damage I did before all of a sudden. 
I'm able to go back through and do some personal inventory work and get new people on the list because now I'm aware of it. <clears throat> Haven't had that spiritual awakening. I'm a conscious human being today. I'm able to help another human being get to that same point. That takes a lot of application. We need to move forward in action. We need to grow. We need to bond together. If you're feeling pain, get together with some people immediately. Talk about it. Let them share one another on how they did it. Not counsel us, but how we did it. What was the break for you? What was the break that started to change you? And then you can walk the next person through it. I heard a couple guys say, I can identify with her. Oh, could you, huh? Ain't that neat? I was there. I've been the same place. The young woman there that was up here giving a report, I've been there. I walked in the program and hated God. I despised that God of my grandmother. She said I should have, at five years old, my father was going to murder him and me. She, she was more concerned that I wasn't baptized. What's that saying? She can kill me? He's she's screaming at her son, you cannot kill Billy because he's not baptized. What's that saying as a five-year-old kid? He could kill me if I was baptized. That's what I'm hearing. The only reason he can't because she didn't get to baptize me yet. I'm going to go to hell. So I went to hell on a one-way riverboat until I got clean. I resented these people. I resented how they taught me. I resented what they did to me. This brought me back to life. When people come in and they're struggling, we should be able to know their struggles. We should feel their struggles. We should carry the message to them that they also can be set free. That's what we do here. That's part of 12-step work. Where does that happen in the home group? The home group welcomes every person in the room, embraces them, and then they take them through the steps and then make them feel part of the group. And then the group expands as a result of that. That's the important stuff we do here, folks. And I want to leave go of this right now because I know we got to get some workshops done. Right. And then your sponsor has a way of making them broader. Well, he tries to broaden them into your personal life. Yeah. I'll tell you something. There's, I'm not always self-supporting. No. I'll let you know my wife is, makes a lot more money than I do. She's more supporting of our family because she makes over 100 grand. All I do is take that money and give it to my children instead. I'm serious. That's what I do. And then she's like, we should have more money. Yeah, but our daughter's, our daughter's husband abandoned her, and we got three children we got, uh, that we got to help with. We got a grandson that's been through eight heart operations. We got a granddaughter that got, got uh, issues with, with, with brain stuff. They're in and out of children's hospital. She's struggling paying her, her mortgage. So we pay for the van. I pay for the car insurance. 
You know, these are other areas that I help in. So I spend a lot more money than I bring in. All right, so I'm not part of that self-supporting. I'm, I'm part of it, but I'm, I'm not inclusively where I'm fully self-supporting. If she left me, I'd be in trouble. All right, I have a dependence in that area with her. All right, so that principle in my mind of being self-supporting, it's up and down. Okay, so that's why I say to for the group, and because it's it's, each, it's the group, these traditions are for the group. I know my sponsor does them things, and I know he's trying to expand it all. And there's some principles, yes, within the tradition that can apply in our lives. I understand that, but they're not fully for my life, personal life. My personal life is based on the steps of Narcotics Anonymous: how I interact, how I communicate, how I can better. Uh, present myself in the public light because I'm involved in the public light. I mean, I'm having to deal with issues. I'm, I've been on radio shows lately. I've been, uh, they want me on some TV shows. We got to work that out. Yeah, but that not, has nothing to do with NA. It's because of NA I can do these things. Uh, I try to abide. Yes, there's principles within each tradition that I can probably utilize, but they're not personally for me. In that sense, he likes to put them in, in the relationship stuff. I understand that. And there are principles that can work through that. I don't tell anyone not to read it. I put it up and put it out. Okay, I'll tell people they can read this here because there are principles that they can apply. I think, you know, I know what you're talking about. And that, so I want to explain that, okay? But uh, I'm just into the steps. At that point, I'm into the traditions when I sit down with you in the group setting, is where I'm at. Yes? You found it. Where's it at? It's, uh, we do recover page 135. It's a bit different than the baby blue, but in the great process, we always try to be careful because we don't want to say or do anything that might prevent them from seeking help when drugs turn on Okay. Well, the, in the uh, baby blue, it says. <laughs> Right. So that makes us responsible in what we're saying to people. How we're communicating with our newcomers when they're coming through the door. We got to make it more available. Okay, for them. I I probably chase a lot of people out in the first few years. Okay? Probably but we only had three stay clean in the first 3 years. <laughs> And them two got clean on the third year, okay? So I was basically chased them all out before that. You know, but uh, I had to learn. Now physically, I told them to leave or we're going to fight. You got a choice to make. When we made, got the gray book, I slapped it down and told them we're Narcotics Anonymous. And if you don't like it, you got a couple different options. You can leave, okay? Or you can adapt and become an NA. Or what I prefer, to let's go outside and fight. Now, which one you want to take, folks? So I drove a whole room full out. I've got to take responsibility for my actions, okay? I had them people on my immense list, yes. Yeah, right. Well, hey, it happens. It happens, okay? Uh, we can correct that in, our, in our, our actions is what I'm saying. 
we, we make every attempt not to say things that would drive another person out. That's what that's talking about to me, in both of them. Worded a little bit different, but they mean the same. It, and you look at the meaning behind it, I am responsible for what I say, how I affect another human being. That's the constant taking inventory in the steps, having a spiritual awakening. No, that does not underscore the total abstinence no, no, issue. I mean, it, it that. Yeah, that principle got to be out there is what we're about. Yeah, my point. And if you look at Jimmy's writings again, if you look at Jimmy's writings, okay, Jimmy's writings are so important to the way we live our life here today in our Narcotics Anonymous program of total abstinence, mood changing, something chemical. That Jimmy wrote. Okay? He wrote that. And, you, and if you look at the gray book, it's more in-depth with all that stuff. It's embedded throughout it. Jimmy said, we're no longer hiding from society. He said, we're no longer doing these things, okay? And we're going to openly meet. We're going to be productive members of society. Again, he also said that. We're going to be able, we're not going to, Outside issues are not going to dictate our fellowship. But it's constantly about total abstinence. We are about total abstinence. And when you alter that, we are no longer Narcotics Anonymous, folks. Yes. And if we accept changing that, we're co-signing the way the world is operating and treating us again. We've been beaten. We've been... Uh, they've done electric shock on us. They've medicated us. They have done lobotomies on us to try to cure our disease. It didn't work. And that's what we talk about. And guess what they're trying to do now? A Molotov cocktail, a Molotov lobotomy on you today. And we cannot endorse that in our rooms. We're here to support people that want to come off the medications. We're not here to drive them away. We welcome them in our rooms. However, they don't celebrate clean time. Simple. We're going to help them to get to that point, though, and they can celebrate with us when they are finally offered and get that white key day, we all celebrate. When they get that 30 days, we all celebrate. When they get 60, we celebrate for them. We celebrate their 90s as he just did. And we keep celebrating clean time. It does matter. We're not going to be a fellowship that says clean time doesn't matter. You know who it don't matter to? Those that aren't clean. We, it matters here, folks. It's what we celebrate. So let's go forth. I don't know how much time we get left today. Uh, it's now 2 o'clock, 10 past 2. Yep. So 3.30, we got to finish the workshop. Yeah, yeah. It's half right? Well, we got a choice. What I want to see right now, we have a choice to break in groups or we have a choice for each one of you to come up here, get on tape, and talk about the 12th step or ask questions. What, what, what are you shaking your head for, sister? <laughs> huh?
What? What? What are you saying? How long do we got to go in the workshop if we do workshops? Huh? One hour in the workshop. Right? What time is it? Ten past two, ten past three, we're back here, okay? So that means no breaks. You got an R, okay? It's what you got. <laughs>